Action. Those two sisters of faith and chance. My faith can exclude chance, but my chance can 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 explain faith. My faith didn't allow me to wait for chance, and chance didn't give me enough faith. Cinema, like all visual art, allows an artist to turn visceral emotion into an abstract form. Love, loss, pain, breakups, divorce. These are all feelings that can be grappled with on a cinematic canvas. Andrei Zuwalski experienced a lot of loss in a short amount of time. A Polish director working under the Soviet system and one who was uninterested in commercial success and who often made controversial and violent films, his second film, The Devil, was banned in communist Poland, which led to Zuwalski's first move to France, where he had originally learned cinema in the 1950s. After finding some success with the most important thing, love, Zuwalski moved back to Poland and began working on On the Silver Globe. Two years of work was destroyed by the Polish authorities during a crackdown. There is this fantastic Latin saying, Larvatus Prodeo, I advance under a mask, hidden behind the mask. So we were hiding behind masks. And uh, this so-called science fiction form was a mask, but it's an interesting mask in itself. It's a, it's a mask which, which gave cinema many masterpieces. Possession was a film which, which I uh, thought of in this moment between um, this stopping of Silver Globe, Globe and my going away. It was six or seven months' time. Also during that time period, Zawalski's wife, with whom he had a son, divorced him. But uh, I had no, no home, no family. My, my wife, the mother of my son, uh, went away with a guy like Heinrich. Heinrich is may maybe more intelligent, but Anna is probably more intelligent than my ex-wife, who's a better person. His own divorce was occurring during a period of stagnation for the USSR. A de facto ban was placed on Zuwalski's work. He was getting divorced, unable to work, and stuck in a Poland he felt was crumbling. 
At one point, he returned home during the divorce and found their son had been left alone for several hours and was covered in jam. The Polish ban meant that starting a new film was out of the question, which is how Zawalski was previously able to rid himself of suicidal thoughts. Finally, in 1978, he emigrated out of Poland once again. During the emigration, Zawalski began working on a treatment for a new film to take his mind off his troubles. That film was Possession, one of the most controversial horror movies of all time. Possession stars Sam Neill and Isabel Ajani. Sam Neill is Mark, a spy who returns to West Berlin after a secretive assignment to have his wife Anna ask him for a divorce. Isabel Ajani had recently starred in Werner Herzog's Nosferatu the Vampire, this stylistic remake of the original 1922 Nosferatu. As Anna, she had the opportunity to be the one possessed by the devil this time. Almost. 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 Zawalski poured scenes from his own painful divorce into this absolutely batshit crazy story. He drove Sam and Isabel into the most chaotic and nerve-wracking shoot of their professional careers. The divorce in the film is reinforced by constant reminders that Berlin, too, was divorced from her other half. The wall becomes an ever-present symbol throughout the film. Et nous allions près du mur parce qu'en fait tout le film a été tourné à Kreuzberg, qui était le quartier turc de, de, de Berlin. Et ce quartier turc, euh, nous avons investi euh, un ou deux immeubles où les familles turques ont été relogées ailleurs. Et euh, nous avons à ce moment-là euh, travaillé dans ces dans ces dans ces décors comme si nous étions en studio en fait. Mais nous, nous les, les, les comment dirais-je les fenêtres donnaient sur le mur. Nous étions à 5 mètres du mur euh, et c'était assez étrange parce que juste derrière il y avait les barbelés et les vopos qui étaient avec des avec des, 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 des jumelles à regarder ce qui se passait chez nous et heureusement encore une fois que euh, nous étions sous la sous la houlette de, 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 de du, du Sénat de Berlin. Upon its release, the UK declared that possession was one of the video nasties, and American cinemas demanded it be sliced up to a third of its length. Video Nasties was a term coined by uh, Mary Whitehouse, head of the uh, National Viewers and Listeners Association. And she um, took against a whole bunch of movies that became available in the early 80s on video at a time when um, things were unlicensed, unrated. There was a, a market for um, all sorts of films because the video recorder was a new piece of kit and people had their machines, but they didn't necessarily have the films to, to watch on them. The creature that Anna makes from body parts of characters throughout the film is another controversial graphic and violent symbol. Critics have long argued about whether the creature actually exists 
or whether it's a form of psychosis and imagined. In fact, everything is controversial about this film, even what genre it should be classified as. Possession now is a cult following, but many critics thought it takes itself far too seriously. I'm not sure how an artist's personal pain could be handled otherwise, though. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, and which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Bratonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends have a new split EP with Lung called Adult Prom. Jay Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Gives Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks. This Barbie is streaming on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Renee Rune is the host of the Night Shift Podcast with Bonnie Burton and Jenna Hayes, hosts Rune Radio, and is a blogger, writer, poet, and the head of Rune Agency. I, of course, am the unknown brother of Sister Faith and Sister Chance, Forrest Miller. Let's possess <laughs> this stream. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know what time it is, folks. It's ruined time. Welcome back, Renee. It's been a minute. Hi, I've missed everyone. I'm so psyched to be back and for this film. The perfect return. <laughs> come, come back on the most insane cinema that ever insane. Mm -hmm. exactly. As a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I want it. I want it noted that uh, that's not the updated version of the intro that I did. I had one where I said that it was a split LP with with Lung, and it's available <laughs> on Bandcamp and it's Bandcamp Friday, and a whole shtick that I did. And then wow. I saved it last night, and it didn't end up saving to the to the folder that I like used to play stuff. It's on my hard drive still. But which, I by the way, if you're watching right now, pause it. If you're if you're doing this live, pause us. We're we're not going anywhere. If you pause us, you, you can you can actually if you really want to, you, you know, if you want to catch up to the live stuff, uh, set it at at one twenty five speed after you finish pausing it. Go to Bandcamp. Go go to neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Buy the uh buy the uh album and come back here. We're we're not going anywhere. And show your work. Put it on Andy's desk. He wants to yes. see it. <laughs> yeah, or or just throw up a chat that you did pause it, went over there, bought it. Um, That's right. That you're gonna listen to it later, um, because you really want to hear us talk about. There, uh, there will indeed be a test. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's on Sunday night. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do all those things Andy just said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is this is nuts. I, I like that on the Silver Globe is is in the intro because on Silver Globe is. Uh, batshit insane in a different way and what is presented as the film that he eventually just relented and finished up by 
just it's him walking in the subway and kind of narrating what would have happened if the if the government had literally seized all his his <laughs> his film. But like, there's a good portion of it that does exist, even though it, it like the effects maybe aren't there or there's like uh, missing sequences and stuff like that. And it is crazy, and it's weird to think that that came out um, r- right around the same time uh, that they were that John Roscoe was working on on Dune and um, before Star Wars even. And it was a great, like, crazy space epic that was just needlessly horny, too. Ne- like, just <laughs> insanely. Has anyone else seen this but me? Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, dude, it's so horny. Like, it's like it's like <laughs> the, the horniest space epic I've ever seen. Uh, and that includes, like, the, the long sequences where he's just he's talking about this one beget that one. And this one was fornicating with this one. And it's just like he's on the subway. And it's like, well, this is crazy. But I could see where he was, like, to get as far with that as he did and to have it with everything else going on in his personal life too, to have it just like pulled away from him. I mean, that's the kind of crazy headspace that's going to lead you to make something like this. Which this movie uh, has another connection with, well, this movie has a connection with Dune as well, because uh, the creature that they were working on, the the creature uh, effects artist, right? Like they they contacted Dino De Laurentiis because you had to go through him to get to the um, actual effects artist, who's the same guy... uh, who ended up making fucking E.T. Right. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy to think about, right? Not not exactly movies he would speak in the same breath. Yeah, well you yeah. can see it as soon as like as soon as you know that, right? Like the yeah. when when the creature comes up and it's like the penis head part of it, right? Like it's yeah. it's being yeah. uh like worked on, you can see the eyes. And like once you realize that it's like the same designer yeah. that the same workshop that E.T. was formed in you can like look at the eyes and go oh shit like those are et's eyes too like yeah, yeah you're never gonna look at that at et the same yeah. way <laughs> home, home. i already like, thought of et as like a saggy ball creature but yeah no <laughs> that, that extraterrestrial fucks <laughs> All right, we're ET bone side. home you know what i mean he's the, oh, uh, hey. <laughs> you know this is this is actually on brand for this movie because this movie does start off at 11 and then turns the dial up yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It it starts off insane and then it just only gets crazier. And and what I like is that when you feel like you have your footing and like what it's about, which is super cool, it's just like, oh no, there's a whole other element to this that you didn't know was coming. And yeah, and it's like that. you're constantly, constantly having the chair kicked out from underneath you, constantly. Yes. I I also love that they forget about the whole spy angle until the last ten minutes. So well, they just, bring back the music too. Yeah. That's what I noticed yeah, on this yeah. rewatch. It was like that goofball, yeah. like almost spy hunter music that starts it off and then like gets at the end. And it's like, oh yeah, we should probably Which bring that slaps. back. It's, it's great. No, it's awesome. But, but it's just like, uh, it seems like it's from a different film, you know? It's just like a dead dog in the water. And he's like, yeah. he's like, this dog did not die of old age. And, right, right. And you're like, oh yeah, he's a spy. I forgot. I totally forgot because because his yeah, vocation doesn't matter. Spy, an international spy. Yeah, he's like he's like a yeah doing an espionage. <laughs> the other thing know, they, like, they, the other thing that. they fucking bring back at the very end of the movie is uh, in the first five minutes they're like, does he still wear pink socks? About yes. the one guy yeah, that he's yeah. supposed to be chasing, and just as the guy walks up, his uh, trousers like subtly kind of pull up a little bit, and yeah. you see that like the the guy that's fucking running over the bodies has pink socks. Like, oh yeah, like, <laughs> forgot about that. But at that point, like, you know, like he's, at, the, he's, at that he, point, I don't even care about that. It was anymore. Chekhov's pink socks. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care. Like well, I feel like I feel like that in itself is already like a fascinating movie. But by the time you've gone through the two hours, you're like. That was like ten plots ago. Like I, I have no desire to find out about this. I forgot thing. he killed Heinrich. I seriously yeah. like so much happens in this film that I forgot that he like 
kills Heinrich and plants drugs to make it look like he was just like, you know, whatever, doing an orgy or and the drug fueled orgy or something. And vomits <laughs> into the thing too to make it look like he was like throwing he Actually up. vomits yeah. to yeah. sell the story so that he can hit him with the the, the like, top what of is the... he doing with the shoe and the feather? Yeah, right. It's it's Well, and it's it's not the yeah, yeah, it's not that you can't see that where he would be pushed to that level at that point. But it's almost like, yeah, it just doesn't register because there's so much other stuff that's going on. As opposed to, like, the very first time that you see her in the apartment and, and you see the creature and you, like, and, and you, like, are sort of, like, sharing the, like, what the, what am I looking at? Like, along <laughs> with the guy. And he's <laughs> this totally has that kind of, like, what? <laughs> what? What? Like, just, like, he's just, like, just dumbfounded, like doesn't even know like what to do, and, and that, and which of course leads to like the first, the first murder. But like, I mean, that's the viewer at that point of like, hold on, I thought I knew what this was all about, and this is apparently something totally different. There's also the the line uh, he says to Heinrich like right before he fucking dies in the stall, and he's like, "Is it some mushroom you gobble?" <laughs> like, I don't know why that cracked me up, but it, it, like literally each time I heard it, it was like, "Is it something you smoked? Is it some mushroom you gobble?" And yeah, I was yeah. Like, Dude, what the <laughs> fuck am I watching? <laughs> that seems like it would be just at home with Super Mario Brothers. Heinrich is so right. dislikable. Like, he, there's nothing oh, yeah. about him. There's nothing about him that is likable at all. Who does he love like? I, I love, I love. For about uh, the jump when he's got, like, this shirt, like, 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 why even bother buttoning it at all? Such an obnoxious, pompous freak. Yeah. From, he looks like, like he should be an Arc Ray Noise Quintet for sure. Like, he immediately he immediately yes. goes into her apartment too with the shirt unbuttoned and starts trying to finger yeah. her. Yeah. Oh my like, god. Like in in her living room and then. <laughs> but <laughs> I I feel like anyone who hasn't seen this movie or watches the stream is gonna be like, I don't know. First of all, this is almost like. So okay, so somebody actually a fan of the show actually suggested that we cover Possession a long time ago, and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like. Wow, that would be a like a weird one to cover. Like, how do we even? Because you, it's not like first of all, how do you spoil this movie? I, first of all, is it possible to spoil this movie? Because there's so much stuff that happens. But by the same token, there's just so much to discuss. But then, Renee, I know you're a fan, so when we start talking, about it, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Because I think if we, you know, there's only like you could have five shows about this movie, and they're oh. all going to talk about different stuff. Different things, yeah. 100%. So, so uh, there's a there's a making of documentary, and I clipped a bunch of stuff from it. Because I, it's like this, it's like this one really passionate filmmaker that interviewed everybody that worked nice. on this movie, like after the fact, and uh, kind of like re, like the, because the the interviews can't really be threaded that well together. Um, he like kind of intros everything, so this is his like background to it, and I thought this is a uh, this is this is this is interesting. I think going into it in 1978, two months before the end of shooting, the Polish Deputy Minister of Culture. Janusz Wilhelmi halted the shooting of The Silver Globe. It was the most expensive Polish film ever to go into production. This was Nodziewski's first conflict with the communist authorities. His 1972 film, The Devil, was banned on account of its blasphemous imagery. Ostensibly a work of science fiction, the Polish authorities suspected that The Silver Globe was not all that it seemed. Uh, there is this fantastic uh, Latin saying, uh, Larvatus Prodeo, I advance under a mask, hidden behind the mask. So we were hiding behind masks. And uh, this so-called science fiction form was a mask, but it's an interesting mask in itself. It's a, it's a mask which, which gave cinema 
many masterpieces. Possession was a film which which I uh, thought of in this moment between um, this stopping of Silver Globe, Globe and my going away. It was six or seven months' time. While the scandal of the Silver Globe wrecked Szywowski's directing career in Poland, the script of Possession was rooted in a crisis of a more personal nature. In 1970, Szywowski cast the Polish actress Małgorzata Branek in his debut film, The Third Part of the Night. Wasn't After even going to attempt to say that in the intro. Branek, he gave <laughs> it to his son, Savoy, in 1971. Simple base of the film was uh, My Private Life, which uh, just exploded. Not only uh, the film, uh, the science fiction film was stopped, but uh, I had no no home, no family. My, my wife, the mother of my son, uh, went away with a guy like Heinrich. Heinrich is may maybe more intelligent, but Anna is probably more intelligent than my ex-wife, <laughs> who's a better person. Damn. But, uh, yeah, yeah, get so that tag this, in. This total <laughs> disruption, this, this, this chaos, this, this thing uh, which happened to a He's very... He's not bitter at all, is he? No. In a very... That's divorce, baby. No situation, which is a couple which breaks, okay, was as strong as a motivation to understand as all the things we're discussing up to now. Love it. And love love seeing the scenes from Silver Globe, too, because you, you do get a taste for just like, okay, now imagine like this guy with like a, like a mid to big budget sci-fi epic, right? Yeah. Like, which is like, and it was, it, what got made is just, exactly what you think it is which is it's also fucking incredible that that's the most uh the most expensive polish film up to oh that. yeah and it, which is <laughs> like you know compared you know yeah, yeah that'd be like it's direct to video and in, in the u.s sure yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even the um the budget for possession was so low yeah like which is why they ended up and it worked perfectly why they ended up with isabel and and sam neil in the end because their budgeting was so poor and there was even a character that was completely taken out of the film that was written out oh, and wow. like the director actually said that the film would have had more clarity and probably would have made a lot more sense had that character remained but he chose to remove it because yeah all right so this is the, this is that story uh oh you got it I, I, yeah, can i just I, say as an aside isabel johnny and sam neil at their peak hotness i might yeah. oh not even both yet. of them peak hotness, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we we can circle back around to that but i just wanted to yeah. <laughs> definitely peak hotness. several german actors were cast in supporting roles including heinz bennant as heinrich margie cartinson as margie and bernhard vicky as abe anna's first husband one day I was in Paris. I always seem to be in Paris, and I was, and I was like, actually Abe? teaching and living in Paris, yeah, so I was there. <laughs> and uh, Andre called and said, uh, "Can you come to Abe? Berlin?" I don't know what I was doing. I didn't really want to go to Berlin. I, I was having fun, and they said, "No, you must come because we have to do some work on the script now. We have to do something. We have to rewrite some stuff." And what we had to do was rewrite. You know, we had to write that character, the whole character, out of the script. But we did that. We, we sat down. We went to the this hotel. Guy got hired there, his first, uh, and uh, we wrote, we wrote the guy out of the script. a graphic novel called The Adventures of Mao. At least me. I don't necessarily write a film as like a film. I write like something. 
And then it becomes a film. It becomes a film up to the last moment. It becomes a film when you pick this actor and not that actor. It becomes another film. Not an other film, but it it asks for, for some sort of uh, work on it. Usually, uh, basically, the work is trimming. It's cutting the, the branches and leaving the, 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 the trunk and the main lines of the foliage, etc. So... Uh, so during this act of cutting the sort of the very many little branches, <laughs> I still uh, you look good for your age. This Abe character, the husband, was left in it. Uh, it seemed to me to uh, up to even during the shooting that it explains a lot about her. Why was she with an, very, an older man, a writer, a Jew in Berlin? What was it? And then. Uh, after shooting one day with the German actor who was supposed to be Abe, I understood that, first of all, he's not Abe. Uh, so it was my mistake <laughs> in casting. And secondly, right. again, it's a happy Easy. coincidence because he's, um, he doesn't I serve Abe. And you, the, the clarity of the film. I know Abe. He, how do you say, it? obfuscated. He just you know, renders it murky. And it's useless. This this uh, surrealistic, clean quality I wanted for the film uh, asked for much cutting during the writing, during the shooting, and during the even the the uh, talking to the actors. I want to know the. I think it helped the film. Behind I think it took away a certain burden of the film, a certain like kind a of heaviness that would have like been Jackson there. Uh, otherwise, like I don't like know if it was necessary. It might have been necessary in Andre's <laughs> mind when we were writing it, but then probably what happened on set was he saw that there was something cumbersome about it. It was going to weigh it down in a way that wasn't. It might have been interesting autobiographically, but it wasn't interesting aesthetically. So we were there, and we actually had a cut sit there and see how we can weld it so that it didn't seem, you know, disjointed. So I spent, I guess, about a week or seven or eight days there with him working while he was shooting. All that remains of Abe's character is his young wife, Sarah, who can be glimpsed at the end of possession. Abe, the elderly Jewish writer, would no doubt have likened the battle on the staircase of Haydenstrasse to Jacob's ladder in the Old Testament. Shoot Okay, so even, the, even the interviews, there's so much there. There's so much. There's so much to unpack. I know. It's, it's like it's like okay. Not only that, I've got a copy of the um of the film with him doing commentary the entire way through, and oh, wow. if you think it's hard to watch the film as it is, try watching it with him explaining Chime everything the whole sure. way through. So this is, my, this, this, this is real story of my bitch-ass ex-wife. <laughs> uh, no, it was really. literally like every scene dissected. It, it yeah. was like my brain was about to implode. Well, he's a very thoughtful director. Like every, he's he's a shot by shot kind of director. Like he, he yeah. like it's all yeah. very he, composed. He goes into so much detail. Except when he throws in an Abe. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but like I like that, uh, and he did the same thing in Silver Globe, like the use of a. Uh, um, uh, steady cam too uh so it gets those like long like those 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 quick uh swoop ins like when i when i first saw this and that movie both i was like oh wow because that kind of became 
uh, that's like a Sam Raimi thing, right? Sam Raimi mm-hmm. like did that a, a lot. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, like there's a lot of uh, especially '90s filmmakers that that kind of brought that back. But it's like, oh yeah, this guy was like doing like similarish stuff as just a way of like making it, uh, you know, making these locations like look like terrifying and or uh, spacious or, or whatever. And it's incredibly effective. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's and it's something that like kind of blew my mind when I when I first saw it. Uh, getting back to the meat of that of that interview, uh, I don't think we needed another character. Like, I think there's enough. Like, there's characters that I'm like, I forgot existed that were in yeah. this. I mean, yeah, like, Taxi oh, yeah. Driver, I would love to see, like, a, a, a spinoff film, you know, right. about that Taxi Driver. It's like, you know, driving <laughs> to the police car. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 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 But he's like, so chill. Not mystery, really. I was like, Margie, get off. Yeah, like Margie, which is like, and then she's like all kind of being seductive towards him and stuff. It's like, it's like, who's this chick? Like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, I, I, yeah. yeah, okay. Because yeah. it's because yeah. really at the heart of it, this is about the two of them, right? And again, at their peak hotness, Sam Neill and uh, Isabella Johnny, who are, are just like in love with the idea of each other, but met with the horror of who they actually are. Uh, and depending on whether you tend to look at the more fantastical paranormal aspects of this as being on the face of it exactly what they are or being their more um, metaphorical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And who they, and who they, the they aren't, right? Allegories, like, right? Yeah. Like uh, Sam Neill's Sam Neill's character as like a spy. I mean, not a very good spy. He's like, uh, I didn't even get laid when I was like, you forget he's a spy because he's so terrible at like the finding out what she's up to part of it. It's like, what kind of spy are you? Like, he also didn't get, he also didn't get, he also didn't get in, get laid the entire time he was spying. She's like, uh, were you unfaithful? And he's like, not really. Like you could get, you could tell he like tried to be, and it just didn't. (laughs) (laughs) He has like no game. (laughs) Turns out that was until the end of the world. I, I think I think the uh, the spying side of it, uh, like it, it is like the supplanting of this, um, uh, you know, the, like number one, this like masculine image that he's going for mm-hmm. throughout this mm-hmm. that gets completely uh, deconstructed as you realize like what a emotional kind of insane person he is just to start with, right? Like uh, barely, you know, holding on to any semblance of emotional regulation throughout any like from the very beginning like he he yeah. goes insane within like seconds of this movie like he it takes way less time for him to lose it than it does for her and she's the one that's like kind of possessed by he, when he shows up with his suitcases he's like visibly agitated that's when yeah. you're first like okay what's going on like this is not like a very already good unsettled we're like three I minutes would not in. assume that he like holds up while under pressure if they're like right right yeah. <laughs> no but like but like the supplanting of that identity right like spies kind of uh assume a different identity and so yeah. for like this whole movie to be about um you know realizing that somebody isn't who you who you wish they were uh, to the point where you know constructing the creature is um like an idealized version of uh literally it's who she wants him to be you know Uh, and and, and like version of her that's just her with green eyes right (laughs) exactly you know the, the, the the part i mean we're skipping quite far to the creature but like the you know to her like she says you know early on in the in the epic subway scene that you know she's miscarrying you know it's a miscarry and she's miscarrying faith and that is the faith in not only their marriage but also in mark and it's the end of what is her love fascination and adoration for that man but she also says that she wants to find a way to protect it and her way to protect it is by having that separate identity and that's when she, st- you know, the ma- manifestation starts where she's lying in the bath and 
the beginning of the creature being created, which is when she's starting to begin to idol, you know, idealize this thing that she wants to be the mark that once was and could be right. and that is now no longer. So and also yeah. and also the, the child they have that kind of just sucks. Like oh, she's, Bob, she's building her own <laughs> she's building her own kind of uh like she's a both, shitty in, mom both in one both like both in one, right? Like child child and idealized lover uh through through this like building right. of, a, of a creature. And it's like uh almost like the this uh a reverse Oedipus complex or something, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but there's like, there's, there's kind of a, a, a fascinating, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Some love for Sam Neill in the, in the, in the chat. Okay. I feel like we're back oh, in the yeah. airheads episode again, but anyway, yeah. yes, there's kind but, of a uh, much love for Sam Neill. He, one, one of the, one of the first scenes, one of the first okay. scenes where, uh, everything feels a little bit off, like just to start with, right. Cause it's like kind of a slow burn in the first 10, 15 minutes. Uh, is you know the kids covered in jam and is just kind of left at the house, which right. is something that happened uh, to the actual kid of uh, of Andres Julowski. Yeah. yeah, like uh, which I, I have it. I have it written down as uh, An- Andre Zulowski. I guess it's Zulowski. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the but yeah, so that actually that. happened. He 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 and his wife were getting like divorced and were having fights. And I guess she left to go hang out with the Heinrich guy uh, in real life, like whatever guy she was cheating with. And nobody was watching the kid. And he came back yeah. to the house and the, who'd the been and the kid covered. had just been left to his own devices. For, and he was covered in jam. Covered in jam. Yeah. 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 As if he had been like there for days and was trying to like take care of himself. That's like a real, you know, which is horrifying. I mean, that's, yeah. that's and, and it's, also, it's something I mean, that that's something that people don't talk about, but it it, it does happen. Like I, I got two yeah. teenagers, and if I don't uh, you know, feed them, uh, that I, I will throw them into the kitchen, diving for the jam. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> my children will not stop eating the jam. Um. But yeah, well, like, this yeah, this yeah. is a I wonder how much of the duality of Mark's clone and Helen is religious in terms of the idealized mother and idealized lover meeting Armageddon. I think that's why you get the Jesus stuff too, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's I think that's very much very much intentional and also kind of playing with the idea of like when I think of the, even the title, right? Because I always talk about titles that do harm. <laughs> possession yeah. in this case isn't demonic possession; it's literally like you know being possessive, yeah. and, and that's that's a major difference. And the idea of of playing with that idea and, and having like the iconic uh, the icons of like Christian theology and, and whatnot around works in a way that sorcerer doesn't where like free consider just call us anything else. Like just yeah. don't call a sorcerer because you just made exorcist, bro. Like, no, possession, gonna... <laughs> possession works on, on like multiple levels and everything right. in this film. And it's kind of crazy to like, actually like to watch the film. And it's just so crazy that I feel like you miss a lot of it. Right. And then you go yeah. into like yeah. reading, uh, reading anybody's like you know breakdown of it, or like there's been so much like writing about this film and like you know the different sides of it and everything. You're like, yeah, like for for this like low budget, uh, absolutely insane movie where it just keeps ramping up the stakes the entire time. Like there's so much deep theology and like yeah. uh, you know like like references to like myths and like uh, like all of this stuff like like kind of molded into one, and you're like. Jesus Christ! Like this is this is literally a fucking movie where she has sex with a tentacle monster, like, which is most people's of, pull quote. Yeah, is yeah. she throwing herself in front of the crucifix? Is that? I mean, that it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah she does. That's okay. when she's yeah she's asking for. 
but yeah like the even the well mentioning <laughs> helen the the point of helen is that it's demonstrating like like you mentioned with possession that yes possession is about possessive but it's also being it's also about the possession both of them have with each other regardless right. of how toxic they both it's not good it's not good on, on either side for no, them. <laughs> they're possessed by each other right in 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 that way and helen the reason she looks exactly like anna is because mark is so obsessed with anna that everything and every woman that he approaches he sees anna in like that, but a slightly that, drabber version of her exactly like a, exactly a slightly more mundane yeah. more normy but her, her, uh, with contacts in a, in a bad way yeah. he tries to pull he immediately tries to pull her yeah. Fucking yeah, hair yeah. Off. yeah but i and think then, no that's i think you're onto something renee because because it's like he's so that's who he wants so everybody yeah. becomes that becomes that becomes that like he wants it to become that and that's what he sees in so that's right. it. helen becomes a surrogate in a way a very poor surrogate for anna I, and um, when i first saw it i was thinking it was an invasion of the body snatchers thing right i, I was like oh there's there's multiple yeah, ones these well, tentacle I've, people are taking I've over movie, i've seen this movie a lot of times um <laughs> sober and not sober and high and not high and yeah. i've got to say like Whoa, it's a lot. And like, you, you, yeah, you're like, there's so much to process in the film, like so much. But what I love about this film, and this is like me being a pretentious little brat, is that like this film is, this is the difference between a film and a movie. Great. Yes. Like this is the, that, this is the perfect example of that. And this film is like such a visceral experience for not only the actors, but anyone watching this. Like, you go through so many emotions watching this film and gut punches and, like, faces and, like, just horrified and, like, just confused. Like, it's almost like you're a part, like, you actually, you're, it's so emotional that you're actually, it's quite draining to watch this movie a lot of times. Because Oh, totally. It's, it's, it's like a, yeah. it's a, it's a canvas that he's it feels like he's vomiting his emotional state like his broken absolutely battered like you know losing your home losing your kid losing your wife yeah. getting cheated on uh losing your um i mean i guess having to like uh expatriate to like a you know a completely different i mean first to france then to germany and then he came to the united states to try to get fun like you know bouncing around as someone who had who both lost their their physical tangible house but also lost their home country right like lost their right. uh their their entire identity or like as like a polish person which you know has been happening to polish people for a very long time they've mm. kind of been bounced around from empire to empire as like a, a general state of being which is kind of uh, has its own mm. social like social political implications that i think are yeah the wall like we, we talked about uh yeah like uh, the, the yeah. corollaries between like wings of desire and this and like there, there being very yeah. different east and west berlin stories right yeah, uh, and I, you've got that isolation and alienation all the way through and, and hence the spy craft that bookends it too, because it's like you kind of have to have it around that time period, just by nature of oh, this is someone that can pass between. Well, why can they pass between? Well, if they're an espionage person, whether they're any damn good at it or not, they can yeah. pass between. <laughs> uh, but I think that it's also notable. I, th I think that, um, and, and there's enough. I wouldn't add anything on this, but I think if you just showed 
one scene with Helen portrayed by a different act- actress, then I think that changes the interpretation mm. a lot for, for a lot of people. And that kind of, that would kind of like lead people by the nose that maybe are like not picking up a Celtic. Cause honestly, there's things that like, I did not pick up on first time at all. Cause it's, I mean, I told Lindsay, I was like, I was like, all right, uh, just don't be alarmed. I'm going to watch a movie that has like two hours of people screaming at each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, am I wrong? It's more or no, less true. It yeah. Is. yeah, it is. And it's, uh, it's Kramer versus Tentacle Kramer, you know? <laughs> uh, um, before we skip, I was just going to say, with like you mentioning the Berlin Wall and like the isolation and, and alienation throughout the film, like one of the most poignant scenes for me is where they go and meet at the restaurant which is dead empty, by the way. And then they're, they're sitting so crazily, like, uh, yeah, like back, to back. And there's a yeah. huge partition in between them, right behind them, which is clearly aesthetically and visually a representation of that same right. shot that you see over and over again of the wall. And, um, and you know, so and I from, I, from know, the very I, beginning, like from from yeah. literally the the opening credits, where yeah, we're, we're going along the yeah. wall, right? Like yeah, and then throughout the film, there's so many scenes where that is almost recreated in another space, and that oh, by is- their framing, you're right, you're totally right, yeah, because just how they're standing in uh, um in relation to each other, and how the camera like picks up, yeah, 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 yeah totally, yeah. and it's, it's all like always- repeat. Derivations yeah. of a theme, pretty much. Yeah, you know? and then you see that same shot again from the beginning, quite often throughout, and then it then you see it again in so many scenes with the two of them. Even yeah. the scene when he arrives with the bags, the way that they are standing and how far they're standing apart. If you watch it to that level, mm. you'll start to see that there's this very clear disconnect and like wall that they've built between them, which is almost yeah, like another symbolism. Yeah, and they don't that. they don't look at each other they're, they're they're but they are looking at the audience quite often like like there's a so yes. much of like where they're they're staring directly into the camera um and it's yeah. it's kind of off-putting too just how much of like them not only are they screaming at each other but they're looking at you while they're doing it and they're yelling yeah, at, and the, that, at that, you that's, yeah. <laughs> that's another part of that exhaustion and that like visceral experience is like you actually feel like you're fucking- you feel like you're in the argument you feel like you are like on either side of the argument like another another and you're like eh. Stop yelling at me! Like, like another, I don't care if you caught Sam Neil. Just stop yelling at me, please. Yeah, where, like, where? like, like to the point that when like she takes like the electric knife, crazy device, by the way, yeah. and like puts it at her neck, and it's like, oh my, like you feel like you're culpable somehow. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh my god, how did it come to this? Why you know? did I do this? Yeah, yeah you're <laughs> I'm so like... sorry. Which, which, that, by the way, ended up happening to uh, Andre Zuvovsky because uh, at the end of filming this. Um, uh, uh, Isabel, like she slit her wrists at the end yes. of filming this because it was so intense, right? Yeah, that, that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. and, yeah, and yeah. like said that you know he was culpable in uh in yeah. in 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 like her suicide, but then he was like, you can't really take like she did the cross the whatever you like not not uh yeah. not down the river caught like he that kind of uh, yeah. It yeah like he, he was like I'm not gonna take this seriously after the fact, and it's like. Damn, dude. But this, this but is this is. Blame, uh, can you blame her? I mean, yeah. No, it's so like the reaction of us as watchers. Imagine Jesus. months and months yeah. 
being inside that role like and then yeah. yeah afterwards doing that i mean she ended up winning best actress at Cannes when it did go to Cannes, which like this can you imagine like, being any a- other actress nominated as being like well fuck this film was released in 1981 it yeah. didn't go to Cannes until 1988 nice. And she won Best Actress for that. Why didn't Sam Neill win? I don't know, but he should have as well. Sexism. But, um, <laughs> our, uh, our our super chat is: Is Polanski's uh, attendant a high bar for alienation? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's very Kafka esque, right? Overused term, but uh, I think it very much typifies the atmosphere for the tenant. It's um, there's a lot of anxiety and guilt and frustration and paranoia that that, that that's in there for sure. Um, so it's not like she's a stranger to it, and she had also uh, she, she had she worked w- with him on uh, not Plansky, um worked with uh, Zlowski on uh, on uh, on something else too, or am I remembering that wrong? Isabella, I don't think she worked with. Uh, oh no, I was thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was thinking. I was thinking of something. I, I was thinking of uh, Herzog and Nosferatu. My bad. Yeah, mm. and which is which is what got her cast in this. Uh, like yeah. got her thought of. I mean, she's um, not, she's stunning in that film. Oh yeah, oh yes, she is. <laughs> like she's stunning, and then then but then she brings that same like I mean, just her whole look in possession is obviously stunning. Which, well, which is why, yeah, I I, sh- I shouldn't comment. On she's that, almost but... heavenly. <laughs> and it, that's it, it'd that's be cool if women were allowed to age gracefully in uh, acting. Without no, social and, pressure and, of being young. Yeah, I mean, we, we could talk about that when I have the clip that I'm going to play later. That's, on the, that's the best way that I can put that in the nicest yeah. way that I can. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a clip where uh, that I'll play like later on where literally he's talking a lot of shit about her look now, but like uh, in, in the context of that. Uh, desire to be young and that's you know, well of course because people want you to be they want you to be that you know just like absolutely perfectly stunning 25 year old until the end of time and that is not the way that aging works yeah so this, this is about the wall and uh filming filming the wall nice the history of polish film the 1970s is remembered as the decade of the cinema of moral concern these films claim to deal with the ethical problems facing people living in communist Poland. With possession, Zhuwowski too wrestled with the problem of evil in communist reality, but in a very different way compared to his colleagues. I come from a place where evil seems easier to pinpoint because you can see it in the flesh. Evil for us in the communist countries were, had a very material face. It, uh, you could pinpoint it. You could say, oh, this is evil. This system is evil. This, uh, the, this whole, uh, the layers of of, of uh, fiction, lying, uh, uh, this ideology which is the contrary of it, 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 uh, its realization, which is this is this is evil. Uh, but then, how come that it visits? This young woman who's not evil, does it visit us all? Do we nurture it in, in us? Uh, or is it from outside and plunging into us and, and, and changing us? That could be a question. 
And <clears throat> when I wrote the script, I, I thought that I really would love to make the film uh, the closest possible to this this uh, uh, this part of the world in which the film was invented, which is the, the communist side of, of the world, which and Berlin se se seemed really the right place, being surrounded by this wall and this communist empire all around. Uh, to start the film with the wall and the crosses where people were killed, yeah. to have this entrenched uh, psychology of people surrounded by evil, and finally, evil warms up into their universe. Uh, it's a political statement. Uh, I wasn't shooting the beautiful uh, TV tower of East Berlin, I was shooting the wall. And, uh, and uh, for reasons not of exotic backgrounds, but for reasons of, of uh, profound necessity for this story to unravel, to be, to exist again. The wall is a very important aspect of this film. Seeing across the wall, seeing the guards, knowing that the character has been across the wall and has come back. So it's all, I mean, the principal character, the Sam Neill character. So you had to have that, because I think underneath this film, all the other aspects of it, the love story of it, the obsession of it, the passion of it, there's a political dimension there. And, uh, and of course, as Andrzej is a Pole living under the regime he lived under, understanding what was going on in the East. We actually spent the day together with the first director. We, we, we went across into East Berlin one day just to get a feeling of it. And uh, I got to say, put it this way, I came in as a leftist and I came out as a moderate to see people lining up a line, a line, a line. And then you'd see a hole in the wall in the building and they were waiting for an ice cream cone. One scoop took your heart away. So a lot of that business of Berlin and the East and the Sovietization of Poland was all implicit, I think, in that film. And subtly, I hope subtly so. Et nous allions près du mur, parce qu'en fait, tout le film a été tourné à Kreuzberg, qui était le quartier turc de, de, de Berlin. Et ce quartier turc, euh, nous avons investi euh, un ou deux immeubles où les familles turques ont été relogées ailleurs. Et euh, nous avons, à ce moment-là, euh, travaillé dans ces, dans, ces, dans ces décors comme si nous étions en studio, en fait. Mais nous, nous les, 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 comment dirais-je, les fenêtres donnaient sur le mur. Nous étions à 5 mètres du mur. Euh, et c'était assez étrange parce que juste derrière, il y avait les barbelés et les vopos qui étaient avec des avec des, 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 des jumelles à regarder ce qui se passait chez nous et heureusement encore une fois que euh, nous étions sous la sous la houlette de, 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 de du, du Sénat de Berlin. Uh, West Berlin was interesting interesting for me only because of its uh, proximity to the vicious world behind the wall. It was the only reason. All the rest was uh, was so, was normal. Cafes, young people, Marxist discussions in the, the Einstein Cafe, whatever. It was normal. It was Western Europe. It was uh, the world. But uh, this this uh, this in fact this huge no man's land, which started behind the wall, 
and stopped at Kamchatka, like 10,000 kilometers farther east, was was there uh, physically. And that's the that's the, the you know the thing which makes the film walk. Berlin, as depicted in possession, is a collision of the brush design and neon lighting of the West with grey, desolate urban decay. Mark's apartment on Vinetteplatz on Bernauer und Wallinerstrasse makes a violent contrast to the Turkish district of Kreuzberg. I got your wife's address. It's in Kreuzberg, Sebastianstrasse 87, first floor. The wall seen from Sebastianstrasse is the subject of Die Mauer, a portfolio produced by Enki Bilal in 1982, for which Jawowski and actor Bruno Gantz provided the preface. Today, on Sebastianstrasse, the wall is conspicuous by its absence. Yeah, it looks way less awesome now, but it's probably a nicer place to live. Yeah, yeah. But if I was making a movie about like oppressive evil things coming from the underneath, I definitely would want the vibes of the <laughs> peak. I do, I do wall. like though. I do like the fucking the the, the American guy who uh, wrote like literally the Adventures of Chairman Mao, like his graphic novel or whatever. And then he goes behind the wall and he's like, "You mean you can't get ice cream here? People yeah. are waiting <laughs> online. One scoop. Yeah. What is, what is this?" And he's what like, "You know what? Hey, <laughs> Come here, twenty twenty. I'm overrated. I'm 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 done." <laughs> He's a big ice cream fan. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the atmosphere of this is so great, right? Like, And it, it's so great in a way that I don't think this movie works in the same way if you were to make it at any other time or any other place, really. Mm. No, it I, works in, like, every sense of it. And just yeah. in, It works with within, you know, all the metaphors, the allegories, everything that is there and the aesthetics, it all works together perfectly, like, you know, and I guess that's also a part of the fact that it's based on his own life as well. So it's bringing in the, all of those elements, you know, that he was also going through. And, like, even, um, you know, and he's probably just as crazy, if not crazier, than Mark, the character, quite yeah. possibly. Well, oh, and sure. The, yeah. yeah. Sam, Sam you know, like, yeah. had actually said, like, I think a couple of years ago, that this was one of the most extreme films that, that he's, he'd ever ever, done. Yeah. he's ever done. But he also said, um, I think I, I wrote it down. Um, and, and crazily enough, he was 34 in this. That was a question from the chat. Yeah. 34. But it's. He was, yeah. Um, yeah. He said that, you know, that if yeah. this was made today, just, it just wouldn't happen. There was so much abuse on set. I'm and sure. that he, he actually, like, came to to blows with the director because the director asked him to, you know, slap Isabella and he said, there's no way I'll do it. And then it was actually Isabella who went to him and said, you you have to do this. You have to do it. Um, So he ended up doing it, but um, I'm stressed out hearing you talk about it. Yeah. And and, 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 and Andre. I'm surprised they haven't tried to like cancel him. Yeah. Andre would scream would scream like and yeah. and belittle um isabel on set which sam neil found really distressing right. um and he said that you know if you think you know you think that you're kind of a little bit crazy this he was like i came out of this like three times crazier and almost had a breakdown myself which is you know 
exactly what ended up having to is happening to Isabel. He was like, you know, um, he was like, it just was the most extreme film in every possible aspect. <laughs> and But Ali yeah. Klaskinski did not go balls out crazy in a John and Nosh yeah. too. That and is like, actually what very odd. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and he's like, you know, he um, asked, asked them to do things that, like, they wouldn't and definitely yeah. couldn't do now. And he said, like, you know, I, that he just escaped the film with his sanity barely intact. Well, think about how Kubrick still... To this day, there's the, the whole Shelley Duvall thing, of which Shelley Duvall has flat out said, like, no, it, it isn't the way you think. Like, I'm basically, I'm, I have stronger character than that, and I knew exactly what was going on. Oh, and yeah. it, was, it was Popeye it, that finally did her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Which, um, by the way, there, there is, that village in Malta still exists, and you can go there. But the, the, so, the I'm just saying, uh, if we do a live show The same Malta, impression as Elegance as a Fastbinder film. We're doing Popeye? Um, the scenes with the mother, uh, Heinrich's mother and him at the end reminded yeah. me of when we talked about Mother Custer. Uh, yeah, 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 for like, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, and Fassbender, like, I, I really want to cover Roll on a Wire at some point. But, like, it, it's a running theme through, like, a lot of a lot of his films in different ways. Some of it's more oblique and some of it's more overt. But uh, Fassbender's real interesting. I mean, that's, that's someone that I'm glad that, like, the younger... Uh, film aficionados are kind of latching onto because I think that uh, much in the same way that um, uh, oh God, the guy did come and see I'm blanking on his name um, and the, the woman did the ascent like that these films that were kind of like Soviet films right they just could not be seen like outside of like uh, <laughs> being in Russia uh, at that time and are being uh, reviewed and seen to be the masterworks that they are uh, and then also seen as great snapshots uh, of the time as well. And, yeah. and that's a fastbender that's like, look, if you want to talk about some like really inventive, auteuristic uh, filmmaking by someone that was like deep in it right mm -hmm. here that doesn't have the profile of Vim Vendors. Peace and love. I love Vim Vendors, obviously, uh, because he got out to America and like, you know, the artsy fartsy people, you know, especially Jim Jarmusch, uh, mm -hmm. really latched onto him. Uh, People yeah, I love the way that he would bring his camera into uh, cars and drive. D dude, after I saw <laughs> Kings of the Road, I was like, okay, so Jim Jarmusch basically did three movies of this. Hmm. Okay, got it. <laughs> like his version <laughs> of Kings, like, and I like, it's awesome. I loved that early Jim Jarmusch is great, but it's like those first three films he did. It's like it's basically d derivations of like, okay, I'll take this part of Kings of the Road, and this part of Kings of the Road, this part of Kings of the Road. <laughs> I just, and just, you know, like whatever. Everything has its influence. Uh, but people wouldn't know at that time because it was before uh, Vim Vendors had really like hit big uh, in America, like way before Paris, Texas, right? Like that that's like the, yeah. like the biggest, par the one that um, people, people are like, really holy crap. The the <laughs> other the other thing that's a lot, I think like, uh, like, fast fast bender like the the same kind of um dynamic is that when this movie uh appeared at can like uh in, in 1981 or whatever they they took um andre's like Zawolski as as a reactionary right like the the french left um did not appreciate right because he was not an avowed socialist so therefore they just they they read what they wanted to out of the film which yeah they saw it as like dissident anti-soviet art pretty much and right which is not i mean it's his own you know 
uh, immortal. It's more anti his ex wife art, frankly. Well, while my wife is in Poland, I am anti Poland. Um, but like, <laughs> but, but like, I personal I animus. Of, but, but this movie does inherently try to be political or like socio political, right? Like, it does uh, touch on that at least. I mean, how could it not? But like, uh, you know, it's interesting that. Well, as as both somebody like uh, Fassbinder and you know somebody like um, like Zawalski, who are like you know very different, come from very very different backgrounds, but like uh, like a lot of times I feel like during this Cold War, you know, um, as kind of things fizzled out on both sides of the Cold War, like literally, like I mean, the Soviet Union was in kind of collapse, which you know yeah. you get some like really an art like stalker out of that same time period too like i mean maybe like uh it's it's a decade earlier but like still like it's this period of stagnation and collapse that you're viewing on in, in both in both cases right like um as yeah, that come and come and see is 1985 you know that's like deep and technically it's about belarus but really it's about you know a lot more than that in that same sort of way like in that same kind of like writing is kind of on the wall to a certain degree uh, especially as you get like post Chernobyl and all that like it's sort of like okay we're seeing the cracks begin to show. Yeah. Well, so as like, you know, as the ascendant right in uh, the U.S. with like Reagan, Thatcher, fucking, uh, you know, even, even like France under Mitterrand, like started to um, neoliberalize. Right. Like these these kind of um, factions, I guess, or like these political identities began to harden. Uh, you know, with people saying... Like, I, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at at, at at this level of political analysis for a movie that involves tentacle fucking. But yeah, that's, well, that's, that's but, it. But, but I feel like... I feel like but I'm with you. I'm with you on all like, of it. Audience-wise, yeah. right? Like, yeah, I feel yeah. like the political identities people had began to, like, harden into these, uh, you know, these, these like... I'm 12, um, sorry. <laughs> like, like, literally, like, literally, like, you know, people kind of stood in front of the wall, like, as, like, as a leftist that still kind of was supportive right. of the Soviet Union, like anybody that, you know, came off as reactionary towards that or that you felt like was uh, pushing forward this like Cold War mentality, right, would would get uh, instant, you know, not cancellation, I guess, because that didn't necessarily exist as a concept, <laughs> but instant backlash for the, the sentiments that they're putting out and that ideological reading, I think, that happened across Europe and America at this time, like uh, began to, as things frayed in both cases, began to kind of... Um, turn into like these almost like cartoonish versions of it well and and even like the sentiment of poland right and and the fact that why they why uh on the silver globe got put down in the first place uh is it like that idea that sentiment of like what they uh, didn't didn't want to have show it was sort of like unless you explicitly said like i'm not against i'm not for that then like it's almost was like tacit approval which is absurd and again especially and i cannot stress this now for a movie about tentacle sex uh but i i think that it's it's especially notable because the people that did get it really got it. Not a hit. Well, this Joe and Cheryl let me say this movie was not a hit at the t at this time, right? I mean, I think that's safe to say. Um, yeah. Well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a hit for friggin' many, 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 many years. Probably twenty years after you know, and and even um, Andres has said like that. You know, the film was completely misunderstood, and what was presented at Cannes was an eighty-three minutes completely cut super down. cut yeah. down yeah which i yeah, think yeah. if you go to archive archive.org you, know, you can actually see that that cut of it that cut. yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know why you'd you want to but yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you can see both versions on archive.org if, if they cut out the spice yeah. stuff at the beginning of the end i don't know what do you cut out here i, I don't know probably yeah, yeah. But they they I know. you know no, I, I think i think it's more of a 4k and now it's the full i think 
100. Well, they did a four, they did a 4K restoration of it too, which 158 minutes maybe I can't remember 158 or 138 minutes, um, all up, and it's you know the full thing, which is available on Shutter if you want to watch it. Right. It, on shutter right now um, but they had to do a restoration on it because basically it was like floating around like videotapes right like a sort yeah of like, exactly like and you, people, hey you gotta see this movie it's wild yeah and people <laughs> it, that's how it was being distributed particularly right. like right after 1981 because it was banned in the uk us and poland and yeah. many other places so it was one of those things where you would secretly like you know get a distribution copy and people would pass around it wasn't easy to find and you could only get the cut version not the full so you know and i think that's almost amazing in the sense that you know it came out in 1981 yeah against all of this and then in 1988 it found itself in khan yeah as an edited version yet still got praise and and you know isabel won best actress like, you know, seven years after the fact. Way after it actually, after right. all the, the yeah. emotional then, damage then, had been done. Exactly. And it took, her, <laughs> it took her something like three, four, five years to recover from the from it. And then even Sam Neill, yeah. whilst he said all these bad things that did occur and how emotionally taxing it was, he said it's still to date his favorite film he's done. Because he um, so much I from that. And because of the reaction uh, to it, Zlowski was actually motivated enough to go back and collect what he could from on the Silver Globe and then do that version where he filled in the missing pieces with just like the walking, walking around the subway and stuff. Um, yeah. And just because it was like, he felt like, okay, if there's ever going to be a time for people to give a damn about these like weird movies that I make, then it's going to be now. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and he was I, right. I introduced. Know? A few people in this last couple of weeks to this film who'd never seen it and i got yeah. i got like a barrage of messages like the last two days being like fuck me possession yeah. is the sh what the shit like this is amazing how did i had never seen this film before like blah 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 and it's so you know like it, it's it's like had its little resurgence and it's definitely thanks to the restoration thanks to shutter and thanks to so many people actually writing about it and trying to keep it back in you know in in the eye because and yes right. like whilst the director might be problematic a lot of films that are incredibly incredibly he's only problematic know. if you're his ex-wife or whatever but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're problematic for one no, moment no, yeah. but, you know, like, and, and the heinrich dude <laughs> when you're making yeah. a problematic film it's yeah. coming from a problematic place and well you know, and there and, and there's an impulse of a, a certain directors were male yeah. right we didn't have a lot of yeah. female directors to compare to be able to really say like, you know, is it, so we can't really say that they're all problematic, but I think that, you know, at the time, that's the time it was made and all of those things. It's the same, like with someone mentioning Polanski and, you know, all of yeah. these people who have problematic. Talk about problematic. Things, <laughs> you know, like they all have these problematic and there's plenty of them, like, you know, not just in Europe, in US, like everywhere, yeah. you know, but some, yeah. some of the best films that have been made, uh, been made by problematic sure. people. Yeah. Yeah. Do, then, do you want do you want to consume their art or hang out with them? You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Needs, you know. Um. I mean, I guess there's a there there's a scale of that, but sure. like yeah. you know, in in you know this, I don't think that this guy's probably not someone I wanted to date. You know. But like, hey, I think he. Definitely he don't want to break up with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> incredible, incredible film. 
and like well, she ne- he never got married again. I guess that's to his uh, well, to his credit. I mean, he he was in like a long term women's credit well, around the world. This is, yeah. If this is how his mind worked, uh, mm-hmm. you, like why would you put you through yourself? Even wasn't wasn't he, he married to uh, Sophie Marceau after after like for like years? Like no, they were they were together. They didn't. Together. Uh, oh, they never got married. Huh? Yeah, wow. never married. Yeah. Uh, I have but problems like, with one my... thing I wanted to say as well, which I think a lot of people like overlook or when I've watched things, because everyone loves to, and I understand why, loves to, you know, sort of think all about Isabel and like focus on Isabel. But one of the scenes that like for me, I found made me feel a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit sick was the scene, um, which I think is, incredible of sam neil which is quite early on where he's clearly having withdrawals and those withdrawals are from anna yeah and no like like, like love withdrawal like, seriously yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's well like, to the point that he's like how long have i been here and, and, and he's like what three weeks and, or something the, yeah it's, it's so like oh i'm in the room here and this is really uncomfortable like this guy you know what i mean like he's uh, and like that scene is just phenomenal and I think it gets left out a lot with the focus more so on Isabel and not saying she shouldn't have that focus because she certainly should. But like there are scenes where Sam Neill really like solo on his own brings it to the table. Oh, and, absolutely. And yeah. like, you know, I just like and even and this is, like you said, it's, it's almost impossible in, in one episode to even talk about everything that happens in this film and the so many amazing things like the thing the thing with the electric knife like i grew up with one of those yep. <laughs> those horrible <laughs> yeah. things and like even even you know that like it's she's you know it's, it's it's she says to him when he cuts himself like does it hurt it doesn't hurt does it doesn't it? hurt yeah yeah because she's saying you know she's saying the emotional pain that she's going through cannot compare yep. to physical pain. That, like, that's there's, there's totally these, the key to the movie. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's all these really important parts, which like I was saying to a friend, you know, you've got to, you've got to watch. You've yeah. really got to, and you can watch this movie three, four, five times and you'll pick up more and more hidden like nuggets and little things throughout it that are like, fuck, holy shit. Like, yes. I didn't even get that like at the time, but that's exactly yeah. what's happening. Like, um, I, and then it's, it's, I, I know that, uh, like there's a later scene where you see his, his arm and there, there's no marks on it. There's no wounds. Mm. And it's, and, and, and it's like, and some people are like, Oh, that's a goof. It's like, no, it is not no, a goof. No, <laughs> that is not a goof. Yeah, it's completely <laughs> deliberate. Yeah. If you were paying closer attention, maybe you would have noticed that. Yeah, like it's it's yeah, is, and it's even when she has even when she has the bandage around her neck yeah. and he's asking her, and he's like, she's like, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, um, yeah it's that 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 I was focusing more on, on that stuff this time because I again again wasn't expecting an invasion of the body snatcher business. Yeah. Much. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that I wanted to add to like the the, the conversation about uh, that we had earlier, kind of about like the political implications of this, is that I think an unfortunate um, thing for this movie is that it, it premiered at Cannes the same year as uh, Man of Iron, which literally like was dissident cinema, right? Like that's a, yeah. a movie about uh, the Polish uh, solidarity strikes, and that was like a, a deeply anti uh, you know communist film and became like kind of a hallmark of like reactionary liberalism i guess right like as the cracks kind of appeared in the facade of the wall like that like that movie was a was kind of instrumental in 
pushing that propaganda line. And I think uh, like the backlash to possession is that it's another Polish director uh, who's kind of, you know, been pushed sure. out of Poland that is, you know, has had this stuff cracked down on. And then uh, the backlash, I think, from a lot of leftists in Europe about and like the, the fixation on the wall throughout this. Right. Like um, I think the the two the two uh, movies, which are very, very different. One of them is literally just a political tool, like is just meant to be propaganda. And the other one is, you know, um, like about his own personal struggle. Deeper surrealistic exploration of, uh, you know, the, the trauma. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and expectation. And, and also rebounding is also very tough. Yeah. I, I mean, well, let's face it. Like, it's kind of like what the end of the movie is about is like rebounding. Like, like that, you know, so you that uh, Rex. Man of Iron ended up winning like the the big uh, you know at, like acumenical award or whatever at the uh, audience Palm, award Palm at the um, well the the prize of the acumenical jury at uh, Cannes um, as well as the Palme d'Or so like that was kind of the the movie that uh, took the Cannes by storm that year and it might almost be like like do you remember. <sighs> Okay, so I like I generally like Spike Lee, but Black Klansman is not my favorite film. But that came out at the same time as Sorry to Bother You and Blind Spotting. And I'm sorry, it's the least of those three. And the only yeah. corollary between all of them is it's the black movie, right? Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, that's how some people think. And I, f I feel like Sorry to Bother You would have made bigger waves if it was like any other year. Uh, and Blind Spotting may have been on more people's radars if it was literally any other year. But like that, sometimes that works. So it's sort of like, oh, we got two published films and one is like this very like of this moment right now important politically thing that's gonna and there's this other one's got the tentacle like sex stuff okay yeah <laughs> i get it like i don't know prove it i wouldn't make the same decision but i i, I can get where remember because at the time it still seemed like the idea of like the wall falling it seemed like a science fiction yeah <laughs> no ice cream or how i left the left <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, let's face it. Like these movies put the cracks One in the scoop. wall. What I I went, I went around people on the bread lines. One scoop of ice cream. What, what is this? I they didn't tell me about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we get it. But, but, but as I was saying, like, like these movies put the crack in the wall. David Hasselhoff's the one who took it down. Okay. There you Thank go. you, David Hasselhoff. Okay, that, that's what we waited for. Got it. Yes. All right. <laughs> Land. Land. <laughs> David Hasselhoff got uh got drunk on the wall and was eating a hamburger and the whole thing just collapsed. Like it wasn't it was an accident. But but it's also Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say earlier we were talking about like, you know, whether or not we wanted to uh uh you know hang out with a director or something like that, you know, their their legacy. And <laughs> enough um... about the ice cream. No more ice cream related comments allowed on this show. Enough. <laughs> Calling it. Or at least at least don't put them on the screen, dude. Um shit, where was I going with that? I'm just putting up knows. whatever comes in. Yeah. You were you were saying about whether you want yeah. to hang out with those directors. Um yeah. But but like the other thing too is that like uh sometimes as an artist you make these ugly pieces of art to, to right. like uh you know to 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 expunge your soul of like whatever darkness is in there. Uh, so, so to provoke a reaction or to provoke uh, thought or discussion or sure, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also to like you know exercise like, demons, like like yeah, you are possessed like of this. Isn't that Gasper? <laughs> Gasper's whole thing. Catharsis, <laughs> or yeah, it's, uh, it's like a catharsis, or at the very mm -hmm. least to avoid suicide when you're kicked out of Poland. That's that's well, that's another thing to bring up, and you brought that that up in the intro, right? Is like you know, like he was literally suicidal, and, and yeah. why wouldn't he? Because when you look at the scope and scale of what he did uh, on the Silver Globe and what he was trying to do. With that, which again, remember, this would have been if he would have landed all of it, it would have basically come out right before Star Wars, 
And it was mm-hmm. this, this crazy like space epic based on these books. I think it was like his uncle did or something along those lines. And beloved in the same way that uh, like Solaris uh, and stuff is. Um, I can't remember the author's name, but like it would have a natural audience for this, and a bunch of people that like were seeing this uh, recontextualized in a format that would allow them to understand something that wasn't written in their native language. And it was just pulled away from him. And then at the same, at the same time, uh, like like he's dealing with this horrible breaking apart of his marriage in this very like messy and uh, destructive, traumatic way. So okay, so he puts all that into, into this into this film, and it's just again, Andy, what you say is like starts off at eleven and goes up to twenty one. It's just like <laughs> I mean, just out of the gate, it's just like wham! Like you know, you know, you don't realize that like at the very beginning where they get into an argument about whether he should be there or not. That that's about the most comfortable you're going to be the entire runtime of the film. Yeah, you don't yeah. even know. You don't even know half of what's going on. At that yeah, point. you're like, oh well, this is tense. Like, oh no, you have you have no idea what's coming. No <laughs> yeah, idea what yeah, tense yeah. is. All right, so I wanted I wanted to play this whole time. Uh, like the creature clip, right? Like where they're talking about. Um, yep. Going, it's it's like six minutes, but it's it's kind of fast. It's I mean it's fascinating, right? Because think about uh, practical effects around this time period too, and and where they were at. Uh, you know, this is even pre. Yeah, uh, I think Phil Tippett was already doing stuff, but he wasn't like as established as he was before yeah well so they reached out to geiger 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 yeah. another uh, needlessly horny dude and uh he, was in love, bu- he's in love. he loves busy. the tentacle he loves the tentacle too. sure does he was, he, <laughs> he, was, he was busy but he's like yo my boy that you know did the creature i got design. another tentacle boy for you yeah like the, <laughs> he's the guy that did the see i designed the alien but he designed like the head and like the actual head of the alien yeah like, yeah he, he uh linked them up <laughs> nice. If Shuwafsky adopted the mask of the science fiction genre for the Silver Globe, in possession, he would use the mask of the horror film. This uh, form, with its traditions, with it, which go very profoundly in our uh, psyche, uh, the Brothers Grimm. Oh, wait, the living dead ass, uh, so, body part uh, there. And all the horror stories of we we read and we listen to in, uh, in every possible civilization from every possible time. Uh, I think that the f- maybe the first tale told was a hard story because people were afraid of the dark. When the eminent Polish film critic Bogosław Michalek read the script of Possession, he urged Zhuawski not to show the monster advice the director did not heed. I realized only after doing this film that there's a disparity between what you write on the page and what you see on the screen. And so uh, I didn't know there was going to be a physical presence of a monster. I always assumed that it was something that you'd see when there's a shot when he says, what is that? The detective, the first detective, I think, goes up to the sea and he says, what is that? And then something is a kind of uh, bathroom and it's a sort of curtain. And I think you see kind of eye, an eye. But I thought that that's it. You would see the eye, and then you have to imagine the rest of it. But I didn't know that Andre really had in mind, and I don't know if he always had in mind, the physical <laughs> presence of the monster. I didn't know that. I, I wasn't aware of it until I was in Berlin when we had to do a rewrite as on set, in fact, while the film was being shot. We had to do a rewrite, and then uh, Marie Laurier said to me, you want to come with me to the airport? I said, what are you doing? She said, we're going to get the monster today. <laughs> I said, what monster? Said, don't you know Grimaldi made the monster? I never knew this. 
la créature, c'était pas simple, euh, car euh, bon, Angel savait ce qu'il voulait parce qu'il m'avait montré des photos de, de qu'il avait qu'il avait euh, découpé dans des journaux, etc., euh, montrant un petit peu ce que c'était qu'une créature, enfin mélangée des, des, des de photos de golems, de, de statues de golems venant de Prague, etc. Bon. Il y avait toute une, une documentation et euh, nous nous sommes retrouvés à New York euh, à un moment et nous avons vu Alien et, euh, en voyant le premier Alien. Et euh, immédiatement, il m'a dit « mais c'est la personne qu'il nous faut pour, pour, pour le monstre ». Et euh, évidemment, nous avons tout de suite pris contact avec euh, Geiger à Zurich. Et euh, Geiger nous a dit qu'il était déjà pris euh, sur deux autres films et qu'il ne pouvait pas euh, se consacrer à nous. Mais en revanche, euh, il fallait que nous contactions, comme nous étions à New York, euh, directement euh, Carlo Rombaldi, qui était un Italien que Dino De Laurentiis avait euh, quelques années avant, euh, quand Dino avait quitté l'Italie et s'était installé à Hollywood, euh, avait amené avec lui et, euh, et donc l'avait fait faire le White Buffalo, euh, l'avait fait faire en 77 King Kong et, euh, et à ce moment-là, et, et, et voilà. Et donc nous sommes partis pour Los Angeles rencontrer euh, grâce à Geiger qui avait tout organisé, téléphone et tout, nous avons pu rencontrer, euh, nous avons pu rencontrer Carlo Rambaldi. Alors nous avons été très étonnés quand nous sommes arrivés dans les dans les, les studios de Carlo car c'était très étonnant étant donné qu'il y avait énormément de machines infernales, de latex, de choses très très simples au fond et s'il n'y avait pas eu tous les éclairages, on serait dit « mais qu'est-ce que c'est que ce morceau de, de caoutchouc ?» Vous voyez, il était en train de travailler à l'époque pour, pour Oliver Stone, qui allait tourner euh, le film qui se passe à New York, qui s'appelle ah. « The Hand ». Je ne sais pas si vous l'avez vu, euh, mais ça n'a pas été un grand film. Mais cette année-là… « The a Hand, on the second gun !» Pour nous donner Sorry. sa réponse. Euh, <rire> sa réponse. Et il a lu le script, il a beaucoup parlé avec Angers. Et, euh, et au bout de quatre jours, nous a dit oui. Et à partir de ce moment-là, a commencé une chose complètement surréaliste, parce que nous sommes rentrés en Europe. Et régulièrement, il fallait que j'aille ou Angers voir l'état d'avancement euh, de, de la bête, des bêtes, parce qu'il y en avait plusieurs. Et, euh, et quand nous sommes arrivés au tournage, donc il y avait des envois de des envois de d'échantillons, de, des envois de de, de, de de dessins, de maquettes, etc. Et quand nous sommes arrivés à Berlin pour la préparation et que la bête a dû devenir effective et être là pour le tournage, je me crois que je me souviendrai toute ma vie le jour où nous sommes allés la ch chercher Carlo Rombaldi à l'aéroport de Tigo euh, à Berlin euh, où il est arrivé avec euh, cinq ou six coffins avec euh, en bois de la taille des monstres et euh, j'étais avec l'executive le, producer <rire> Jean-José Richet et, et le, les, les douaniers évidemment euh, étaient très intrigués de voir ce que nous venions chercher heureusement nous avions une lettre de nos coproducteurs entre guillemets du Sénat de Berlin qui avait dit qu'il fallait qu'on qu accepte tout ce que l'on demandait 
Et donc, Carlo est arrivé avec ses cinq coffins et à ce moment-là, il y a quand même un douanier, enfin deux douaniers qui ont voulu voir ce que c'était. Tout d'un coup, il y a eu l'ouverture des couvercles des coffins et on a vu ces espèces de tentacules, de morceaux de caoutchouc. Moi, je veux dire que j'étais un petit peu affolée parce que bon, j'avais vu les dessins, j'avais vu toute l'élaboration parce que j'avais été quand même plusieurs fois à Los Angeles, y compris qu'un jour avant. Et, euh, et de voir ces choses qui... De, 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 de comment dirais-je de, de plastique de matière bizarre dans ces boîtes c'était absolument surréaliste et puis les douaniers ont fait des wow first of all she's got mad birds in that house man they are just tweeting up a storm and here that stuff she actually doesn't have any birds in the house she's actually watching the uh, the, the YouTube videos for cats oh right yeah, yeah. Uh, the volume corrected real loud just keeping the cats busy while she's on camera yeah right? yeah yeah Because otherwise, you know, they, they'd be like attacking her during the film. Sure. Yeah. No and going after the, uh, the the boom mic or whatever. Um, I, I got to say, though, like um, uh, description of a studio. It just reminds me like a like a twisted version of like uh, the movie FX. Oh, like, sure. But with like more tentacles. <laughs> well, and I was thinking that like you go one click the wrong way and you got a full moon movie. Right. When you <laughs> talk about the rubber tentacles coming out, where is it? They're just like, good enough. Doll man can shoot it or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, OK. By the way, I want to say shout out to uh, her, the the lady who got the coffins from the airport, uh, Marie Loray uh, Rayer. She's the producer that uh, worked on the on the film, which is we she's the first person that um, he uh, he he reached out to to help him do that. Which is kind of funny. I mean, you know, like like misogynistic, uh, you know, implications aside, like the produce like multiple producers on this are women um, that that yeah. worked on this on this film, right? Like. Uh, there and the, he didn't he didn't give them roles as like you know like a uh, person who goes to the airport and gets you know whatever it is he like gave them the full producer credit and uh you know had them like literally on set um like you know as, as that role right like as a as a role that had actual power rather than um was kind of uh in the background or working for him or under him well and there's that that talk house piece that I put in the in the group chat in the pre-production See, it's not somewhere fancy if I say that, right? That <laughs> uh, has the uh, the thing that um, uh, it was, it was from Talk House that um, uh, Nicholas uh, did. It, like when he died, there was like these rules that he had that he like advice that he would give, right, uh, about like uh, making films and just being in films, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, says, uh, once you've met them, never forget to make your producer laugh. Producers are often the most lonely and desperate people that one can meet in this business, more than the actors. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's totally as like I can totally see where you would feel that way because it's like yeah it's like one of his producers went and got these rubber tentacles for him. <laughs> which I imagine <laughs> popping out like the snakes and like the Pringles can <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so there's some pretty there's some pretty hilarious uh, and and, was, in America they would have shot them too you know <laughs> right 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 I like how this one makes actors sound like uh, like animals. If an actor is being difficult during rehearsals and you cannot fire him, shoot him from behind the first day of production. It will calm him down. If he continues to cause problems, talk to him in private. If he goes on with his bad behavior, point out his faults in front of the crew with no modesty. Yeah, yeah, that's... Just, that's... just break that motherfucker down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You gotta break their will. 
the thing about starting your first screenplay, uh, the day you start your first screenplay, think that even Kubrick and Spielberg are dwarves. Otherwise, their genius will crush you and you will not exceed 10 pages. <laughs> your love for cinema is both an encouragement and reason why you won't write anything at all. It must be used to build your world and not to question it. Which I was like, that's actually pretty good advice, frankly. <laughs> it doesn't involve breaking anyone's will, so that's good. <laughs> it's not your head that you write your first screenplay, but with your butt. In other words, if you don't sit down every morning in front of your computer screenplay, or in front of your computer screen, you will never write it. Do not be afraid of the days when nothing will come out. You will remain before your blank page. This is the moment to let those from below work on your unconscious, as Stephen King calls it. They will soon return to your conscious with golden ideas. See, this is this is largely like really good advice. For and a second, I that. thought that he's saying like write it on your uh, toilet, you know. <laughs> Write it on toilet paper. Well, like, I, like, yo, the goal, like, the, the comfort is so conscious. He's like, she should fuck some tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to some touch notes on from Mark, below. Though. Yes, please, <laughs> Renee, please, for the love of fuck, jump in. Thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to touch on, touch on the, you know, the concept <laughs> of, of the misogyny through, throughout the film. And yes. one of the things I think that, you know, like, as we've said, like, a lot of people have found this film quite misogynistic um i don't really which is rare i don't really see it that way um but for me it's like you know anna's character you know is very much about breaking the patriarchy and breaking and disrupting the status quo mm. and rejecting the notions of misogyny excuse me um that often dominate horror films so throughout this you know the whole film her it's her rejection of being the proper taking the proper place of the wife of the mother you know taking away her commitment like she's abandoning her life you know there's this enthusiastic engagement in her own desires you know um and she very much is you know the powerful characters breaking down the male and and you know, brings Mark essentially to his knees, you know, and to the point where he says, you want me to, you know. Bark like a dog. Is that what he says? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bark like a dog. And I think that, you know. I like, I like, uh, he, he says, um, he says, if, if I got in front of you and like yelped, like or yelped like a dog or something, would you step over me? And she goes, yes. And walks. Yeah, through. <laughs> yeah exactly. And there's like, there's a, a stream of misogyny throughout the, you know, um, <laughs> the characters and through like through Mark and, and those kind of things. But I think through Anna's character, there is definitely um, a very clear and deliberate rejection of that notion. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I feel like, you know, whilst a lot of people might say that Andres is, is misogynistic, I think that that's not entirely true. I think that he's he's taking on both sides of it in this film. Um, I, you know, I also it's so much power to Isabel. She has like the most agency of like anybody. Yeah, really. Exactly. Have you stopped and think about it? Yeah, yeah she's well, controlling everything, you know, and she's she's commanding the space. She's commanding the voice. She's com everything, yeah. you know, in this film. So yeah, that's where I I guess I you know don't agree with more common you know like yeah. Whereas opinion. Sam Neill being down bad is practically a genre movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that it's I think that it's um it's possible like very possible to take somebody's feelings about a relationship they're grappling with and their own relationship with a specific woman, yeah, and then yeah. project misogyny onto you know how they feel about all women, which isn't necessarily yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. yeah, and 
and, and, and that's uh, the thing you got to remember. This is a movie about a relationship, a breakdown of a relationship, and it's about you know a toxicity and an unnerving like attraction and possession of these people, and it's very personal. There is yeah. going to be shit slung. Like it's no more Adam Sandler, going, okay? Yeah, <laughs> it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be kind. You know what I mean? It's not gonna yes. be kind. And there are gonna be moments that are that are very, you know, on on border, violent edge. You know, all of those kind of things. Um, and even yeah, like with she's betrayed. She's feeling trapped. I agree and disagree with that comment. I don't. I feel like. For her, it's more, it's not so much about being trapped. It's about she's lost something Yeah. in that time that he's been gone, which we don't really get a sense of how long he's been gone, but he's been gone a long time, right? And, and it's vision boarding, right? It's almost vision boarding like like who who she wants him to be is, is the tentacle one. <laughs> Basically. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's this, she, she's been, you know, she's been they've been apart and whilst they've been apart, she's been doing all of this other stuff and manifesting and, you know, seeing this Heinrich character and grappling. But even though she's having an affair with this Heinrich, at the end of the day, regardless what she still wants, whether it's got a tentacle or not, is she still yeah. wants Mark. Yeah. Yeah. She By just way, wants a different is, uh, version. She's yeah. Yeah, more idealized. This, this yeah. shot is peak. Uh, hey, we saw you from across the bar and really like the vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we said, <laughs> I mean, it's almost like we kind of want a threesome, maybe. Yeah. 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 And, but it's like, but it's with Mark, right? Like, he's they want a threesome yeah. with, uh, it's like, have you ever thought about having sex with yourself? Well, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing as well, I think with this scene as well, when like, that like the whole part with with the monster and you know the ma toxic marriage taking a physical form and then the idealized mark right. like one of the the things that um i think is really i guess important is that like throughout this entire film not just this scene but there's mm. so many hints to it and it's that you know you got everybody from the outside is completely disgusted by <laughs> by both of them, right? Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Including like the detectives right? that have to, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all everybody is completely disgusted. Whilst the couple themselves, you know, they they they've almost normalized it, and they're even physically attracted to it. Right. Yes. There's this push pull, push pull between the two of them. They can't stop going near each other and and, and as she becomes more animalistic or like more like uh, they bone down after he kills a uh, uh, heinrich right you know where, yeah. where it's like yeah. i've forgotten about that too yeah. it's like oh yeah like i yeah. guess that's attractive yeah. to her you know but like, and it's like the same as she becomes think... more animalistic too throughout it right like as she becomes more desperate and like uh possessed i guess right like i guess is the i mean not to be corny with that term but like um throughout it right she still keeps returning back to the like her home and he like gets there and she's still there and she's um unable to like uh stop like even though she has her like little nest across town that has all the body parts and the fucking creature in her she still continues to return home and like uh you know number one place the fucking tentacle creature in in their bed like um you know what i mean like she's ripping the stuff apart at one point like uh, trying to say that she's gonna do the laundry and he's like yeah. get the fuck out of here what are you doing like what are you even like, doing here? Yeah. yeah and like yeah. so 
throughout it she's uh it's almost like it's almost like when you um like in a movie or something where there's like a giant kind of bear character that like you can tell there's like it has a home cave or something like that and then like uh you finally get into their like like, nest (laughs) but like yeah yeah. but like it's it's kind of there's something very animalistic about the way that she's trapped right like the, the way her migratory patterns kind of work in yeah, that same like, way that there's an like an animalistic nature to like when she's like howling and shrieking and like when it's just coming from this base like you know primal is an overused term but like for this absolute primal area of, of like you know the limbic system practically right like yeah, when it's, yeah. it's just deep and down you, you also have then the like the same issue of the like this is you know of the disgust but also the I can't stop. Yeah. When you when you look at both Helen and Heinrich, who who are like moths to a flame, like they just can't stay away from this toxic shit. Like any normal person would run in the opposite. Like, oh my god, break open. up! Like why would you even want to be near this? Like but but they can't yeah. stop. It's a you know, and then you have like you were saying with the, as she gets more primal, animalistic, and then you start to see you know the her migration between the two places so you have the family home which at times is really claustrophobic like that kitchen feels like it's fucking tiny as shit oh it feels like it's like two feet by two feet sure and they're like like, shrieking at each other and you know screaming and you know the knife scene and everything is all in that tiny little kitchen like it's so you know and then everything is very neat clinical you know and then when you go to the apartment where um, Anna has the creature, nice. it's Good dank, point. dark, dirty. Like, it's very much like a hidden secret, like buried, you know, like she's keeping yeah. it. And this it's like a like, nest. It reminds you of like a, a yes. nest. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a nest than, than like a, a Exactly. Yeah. It's like you were saying. With hook the up pad. <laughs> like with the cave. It's like a right. gross yes. kind of nest where you go to hibernate and blah and grow a tentacle monster (laughs) like you know but like yeah it is it's like but it's also incredibly spacious and like the two places are entirely different so you when she's there that space i feel is also indicative of showing the this freedom and space that she feels when she's right. there but then she can't help but be drawn back to the home and when, when she's there of course it's so so like antiseptic oh yeah and just so it's so claustrophobic it's right like right. there's so much horror and like you know everything is so toxic and ugh, like very what's that word like bound right like really bound up and it's like almost it's a metaphor for how their relationship is, is that it's just so fucking tense that it's, you know, you just can't. Yeah, it, it's like it's like uh, uh, coming off the walls, right? Like it's beating yeah. like water on the walls but, attention. Yeah. But again, like you said, she can't stop going back. Are we going to watch the scene here? Is that is that? Um, well, there's, there's, there's them talking about filming the scene. Uh, okay. This this is this is if someone would be like. Show alien shows up. Show me acting. <laughs> this, this, this would be the one. Before you first play, um, um, Isabel referred to this as a form of emotional pornography. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was well. screaming at her like "fuck the air, fuck the air, fuck the air." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> what's, what's, was that the actual direction? That's amazing. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is this is. No, he's he's <laughs> the actual direction was like fuck the air, and he was no, no. I believe you. No, I like, believe you. He was yeah. screaming yeah. it at her like full vo- like yeah, yeah, over and over and over. over. <laughs> yeah. Imagine just being like a guy who's like in the subway though, and then you know what I mean. Like you see, I, I'm this. just trying to get on the train. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can fuck Whoa. the air once I get past. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna be late to work. I, I was thinking like I, I was thinking like imagine walking down into there and then you see her squatting with like the blood and the like you know what I mean? and then surrounded by eggs and milk and like all all of that and you're just like, ma'am, do you like need help or I'm just gonna maybe I'm just gonna yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, I think I think that reaction uh, would be um, would look a little something like this. <laughs> <laughs> Notorious scene in Possession is the one in which Isabella Johnny miscarries something in the U-Bahn. According to a Johnny, Zawaski instructed her to fuck the air. And it was uh, one time, I think, in my lifetime, I said almost nothing. Usually you explain, you talk. How can you explain something which you cannot explain yourself? Impossible. Dishonest. So, uh, and how can you explain that out of the outrage of life, out of the difficulty of living, out of the frustrations of living, uh, instead of blah, blah, blahing about it, which she does in the film. There's a short film made by her lover, Heinrich, and, and she, she talks about it. It's like those two sisters have faith and chance. Well, faith, my faith can exclude chance, but chance, oh, sh- well, it's, it's like those two sisters have faith and chance. My faith can exclude chance, but my chance can, can, can explain faith. My faith didn't allow me to wait for chance, and chance didn't give me enough faith. But instead of talking, she does something in the subway. So she evacuates this 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 evil, this this uh, like you can evacuate. I'm sorry, a shit or a, or a menstruation <laughs> blood or whatever. She evacuates something she doesn't even know she has in herself. But once evacuated, be it uh, a word, be it um, uh, the words of Marx or, or Lenin or whatever, it becomes uh, uh, flesh and blood. And it starts it, its own uh, independent life. And it kills, usually, not Marx, but it killed two guys of the French Revolution, of the Russian Revolution, the people who, who transformed blah, blah into things into physical reality. I dare you to give a, a coherent explanation of, of the thing. But I dare you too, I dare myself, to give a coherent explanation of evil. Dare not accepted. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pass. I mean, that, that scene is just incredible. I, don't, I would love to hear her talk about how she prepared for that scene. 
like yeah. and and you know how that came how like that's one of the all-time that that's like i mean as far as i'm concerned that's that's up there with uh gina rollins and like that's one of the best performances that um it, it it's mind-blowing because you the, when you're watching it and you're watching it on screen and there's nothing else going on but you and just that it's just fucking like i said everything is so visceral and everyone i think at some point in their life has felt maybe maybe not the, the evacuate part but <laughs> wanting, to, wanting to like basically exercise yourself you know and that, I feel it, like, like like an actual exorcism yeah absolutely. yeah and let everything fucking go just like fuck fuck life fuck this fuck that let's just and she just lets it all go and it's and that manifestation of of shame guilt anger loss heartbreak mm, mm, mm. everything is just pouring out of her um literally and and and, and figuratively and, yeah. yeah i remember yeah. Uh, when I was watching it, I was just, I was hungry. And so I was eating something. And like, as that scene, like, like as everything starts coming out of her body, I'm just like, I don't think I'm, I'm hungry anymore. I'm good. But, but I, just remember, I actually had food up to my mouth and I'm like, ah, yeah. no. <laughs> but that, that's one of the things I loved about, about this film too, is that it starts off as like, this kind of looks ordinary. And then, you know, you, you're kind of being led down the path of Mark's the fucked up one here who's like, leave yeah. her alone, dude. Like, why yeah, are you yeah. always yelling? She's just not that into I mean, you, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then and then then you then you realize that, you know, this is the true, you know, the true kind of reality of what a relationship is, but what a toxic relationship is, is that it's not one person, it's both. Right. And she's equally, if not more evil at most of the time. And, you know, you feel it's uncomfortable to watch because you know people inherently want to find a hero and a villain and unfortunately there isn't either of no, those every, everyone's kind of i mean i guess like you know like both the, the both, kid is pretty pretty innocent you know. and, and all yeah this, but they yeah. Yeah. bob that's that's but, pretty evil exactly. but he's named bob <laughs> who names their kid bob by the way this is the source of many of the uh, letterbox reviews is, is yeah, the bob. mystification <laughs> why you would call your bob kid bob i think you just like, wanted to hear sam neil say bomb but um, yeah like the that that like you know that is the reality of it is that there isn't there isn't a hero. In there's a no clear answer. There's no clear hero. There's no clear. No, no it's, it's all it's all distressingly shades of gray, and depending yeah, on like the and, viewpoint at the time. Exactly, and who's involved, and how personal it is, and sure. I think, and and yeah, again, probably a lot of his personal stuff rolls into this, and that's, but that's what relationships are, right? Maybe that's they, why Heinrich got killed. Right, like there's no necessarily any reason why he has to oh, kill yeah. other than kill him. I would ass, have if, if I was like making him. a film about my divorce and my yeah. wife yeah. was with some dude, I'd kill that dude too. Yeah, yeah. His, his character you? gets got. Yeah, sure. It's why your not? Perfect opportunity. And yeah. and Heinrich, Heinrich sucks. And you know, maybe, right. Heinrich, Heinrich maybe. is the. I think Heinrich is the uh, like kind of. Um, and, and I could see why this is the case because, you know, obviously his wife was like an actress that he was tr like treating as his muse earlier in his work and yeah. uh, who left him for like so just some like, uh, you know, shallow kind of weird fucking he like Heinrich kind of guy. But like uh, I can I, I can see that <laughs> allergic he, to buttoning his shirt. Yeah. Well, he's kind of the, the, the vapidity and the 
uh, superficiality of um, like, like this sexual charisma that has no yeah. uh, really other purpose. It's it's uh, it's like kind of a faux. Um, it's like kind of like a like a incredibly faux like uh, you know depth to it, right? Like he's always talking about God and he's always talking about like there's nothing to him. Like, he's like but, an yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah. but then when it when it really and he's talking about like uh, all these like deities and like uh, whatever, and when it comes down to it, like there's nothing. Yeah, it's like completely superficial. He's just a guy that like he's just a libertine. Like he just wants whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And it's pretty easy to understand. He apparently knows some kung fu. Well, when he finally <laughs> challenges him on it, and he's like, "I'll take Leto. You took my wife." He's like, "I take whatever I want." And then you realize that's the essence of who this character is. Yeah. He's just, yeah. you know, uh, he's just a hedonist. He probably yeah. wants to talk about Anton LaVey. You know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd he imagine there were, his mother. there were quite a few people. Like yeah. that. He still lives with his mother. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But also he's the he's and he he's bangs in the room next to his mother's room. And the mother's yeah. like, <laughs> but like, yeah, one someone in the character is um, in the chat has mentioned how he's like a character character and that's exactly how i view him as well yeah and and as the in in the you know um ecosystem of like the relationships within this film heinrich serves one purpose and that is that he's just a catalyst an excuse for her like you know she right. uses him as an excuse all the time for why there's this breakup and this malfunction he she doesn't want to be with heinrich no, it's no, cool. he's he's a means to an end. But but he's also just, it makes it makes the mind wonder, right? Like he is such a caricature. Like is this an unreliable narrator situation? Is this a certain no, aspects of him is. being like blown up to be like more cartoonishly? No, it uh, definitely is. It's, 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 it's yeah. It's uh, Zulowski's like uh, like completely fucking um, you know like yeah it's his hate topa for like that dude yeah, yeah for sure yeah. but like even within the confines of the the narrative without knowing any of the background story it's, it's like again coming back to like it would be cool to see okay Helen doesn't actually look like it's a different actress it's not Isabel yeah. Johnny that's playing her like and then like you, okay this is the the Rashomon effect right of, of not that like oh yeah maybe he's just like I mean, maybe like his his shirt is like one more buttoned up, you know. Like it's like he's not quite as extreme of a version okay, <laughs> of yeah. himself as he is, as, as, as he's made out know. to be. His mother, his mother's down the hall. She's not. Yeah, maybe room. it's two rooms away. Who knows? Like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not quite as bad. As all. Um, I, I think though. Uh, oh, it's a so common. It's, it's a, kind sorry. of. No, it's, it's kind of also fascinating that he was talking about you know like uh, the the consummation of an idea. Uh, coming back and kind of destroying the people that have originally expounded the idea because and this is going to lead us into our uh you know our little letterbox thing here but it was funny that um when we watched airheads i think one of the funniest letterbox ones was like oh this is what i imagine the french revolution was like uh and right, right. To, to be honest possession is far more what i imagine the french revolution <laughs> like this, Wait, this, uh, there was tentacle fucking and the french way, way more screaming oh, and uh yeah, well, no, yeah. and like and blood just splattered all over the place every yeah. single person kind of just getting fed to the guillotine like if you yeah, think of yeah. like the creature kind of as like uh, a guillotine like you know what i mean like as the, that's my problem with a lot of period like, pieces they everybody yeah. looks so like put together and everything so and it's like no this is probably like dirty there's probably like you know feces Shit everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. yeah yeah well oh yeah i've been wearing that outfit uh, for two weeks it's not a month 
Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. So, You're not gonna I'm look so composed. To, uh, you don't want to see what their underwear looks like, man. <laughs> R- like Ridley yeah. Scott's upcoming Napoleon movie that is anywhere oh, from yeah. two and a half hours to four and a half hours, apparently. Uh, I'm so fucking fascinated to see what he does with uh, with with the story of like Napoleon and whether he. It's not gonna be a period piece the way that uh, you know we're, we've come to understand them. I don't think it's gonna yeah. be bloody. It's gonna be muddy. It's gonna be. I mean, like this, like the you know the sub the subway scene, but like the the amount of blood in this movie, right, is so comically uh, displaced. Like it splashes all over the place. People yeah. are covered in blood. Like at some point, you it almost loses um it loses the the poignancy of like oh this is fucking gross. And then at some point, you're just like normalized to it. You're just like well yeah, it's covered in. And that's blood. another reason why I wonder if Sam Raimi was a fan. Yeah. You know, because mm. think think about like <laughs> Evil Dead, right? And, and yeah. think about and especially and Evil Dead too. <laughs> The blood, I, the blood to me is also is also like a metaphor thing as well. I feel like the blood is like the bloodletting and and everything that's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, who yeah. They are and their relationship and they're kind of basking in it. Like even even sure. when even when Mark walks in and you know the creature, he's not necessarily horrified, but interested. And yeah, it cuts away from him, and you can see, you know, you know like hands where I can see the mark. Let me see, let me see those hands. You see one of the tentacles going like this, like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, with with the tentacles, for example, like, you know, I know the tentacles get all the glory, but I think that really. What is happening? I'm always saying. I'm always saying. (laughs) That's that's not all they get. You know, basically that like it starts off. You know, you see this. You see this creature as it's manifesting, right? And it's this bloody kind of nodule that continues to grow. And then as these, you know, you have these tentacles. But eventually, what happens is it envelopes, right? So she's having sex with it, and and it ends up enveloping her. And be, it almost like becoming like it's that touch, that part of that relationship. And throughout the film, whenever you see other parts touch and the bodies together of both Anna and Mark is incredibly um, poignant. And there's so many shots right. of their bodies together and yeah. the way that they're touching and feeling and, and um, embracing as well. In between, and, and, all it gets, and it gets more and more primal from the very first, uh, you know, the, the first scene where they're in bed together, and it's very like non-intimate, right? Like very austere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then exactly. as it, like, and then I feel that you get to the creature part, and yes, the tentacles are the beginning, but what's actually happening is, is, is that enveloping and that embrace of that, and then you know, and then obviously the birth then of the final, which is Mark. Yeah, so, and which ties which, into uh, the, the and he's yeah, not that, horrified. He's not, he's not horrified. The unreliable he's, narrator nature yeah. of it, right? In some ways, yeah. like uh, it ties back to him kind of throughout the whole movie being an obsessive narcissist, like and, mm. and wishing he could be a narcissist to the level that I think uh, Heinrich is, like in some ways, yeah. right? Like he's, right. he's <laughs> unable to, he's un, he's unable to uh, break away from her and become that kind of libertine figure. But like yeah. he still is, he still has this full obsession with himself and his own relationship. And uh, obviously, like as a corollary to um, Andre Zulowski, like his own re- feelings about like grappling with this relationship, because you know, like as someone who has gone through like a 
an awful toxic relationship and had to break apart from it and like the codependency of it and like it had to grapple with it you do get very into your own head to the point where um like it's all about you because you have to heal from that right like part hmm. of the healing process is is like looking having, inward and taking care of your own needs yeah. that presumably hmm. we're not being met in, in, and it's in also that's, but in this yeah. there's no there's no break like they the only there's way no that they break. break apart in this is through death like yeah. the only way that they <laughs> right, exactly. but but when he's transfixed by the creature uh yeah. like um, one one thing that i mean i didn't talking. think about this yeah she's almost proud to show him like, yeah. like well, he, this find, is, he how, is when when like, he, like when it's him this is right how like, much i love yeah. you this is how much i love you that i i nurtured and created this other you this version yeah. of you yeah that i yeah. like better i i, I wonder if <laughs> yeah. he sees uh, a portion of himself in that creature too when he's transfixed by it yeah uh, i think and, so like yeah, i like, feel like he he sees he sees the same thing that she sees and that's you know what he was and what was lost and then and what the future could have been and i think both of them realize that at that moment which and again that comes back to that notion of everyone around them being fucking so sickened and disgusted by <laughs> what you're seeing but to them it's like they can't it they, it's it's normal it's normalized because they are so possessed by each other like right. and that 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 is it like they are it's every bit about obsession and possession like they live breathe think everything that goes on inside them is about that other person as much as it is about their own ego it's surrounded by that person i think that's why that scene is so yeah like so like whoa because you'd expect yeah. the person to be like walking and be like what the fuck like what you know but it's yeah. not he's almost like there's a almost like a sense of pride and like almost like complimentary that this is you love me so much that you went to this degree to try and create a better yeah, the idealized version of our love going even if yeah. it isn't exactly me the version but, that she's trying to explain throughout it and can't put into words yeah. like he when he's she asking invites her invites him to see it you know she invites and, and him he, to the he party. Asked her, he's <laughs> he's obsessed with the Heinrich part of it and like her betrayal. And he's asking like, you know, do you yeah. not love me anymore? Do you love him? All these things. And the one time she nods her head and like, uh, you know, set like agrees is when she's afraid that he'll be uh, completely horrified by what she's kind of created. But we don't know at that point, you know, that there's a yeah, creature well, even involved with the, it. The, the literalism of that statement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, that's also like a reflection of it, isn't it? Because the fact that she's, Right. The fact that she's concerned about him thinking about what she's created is again just solidifies their relationship. She also because created she Bob, actually, but nobody's concerned about Bob. He's the what about Bob? He's Bob's the kind of the situation. Bob's like, been left in the bath for years. Like, <laughs> yeah, Bob, yeah, Bob's yeah. not something. Popping lids on jam containers. <laughs> Bob's he's not something that we're worried about. They, they yeah. named him that like, because that's what a corpse does after he drowns himself. He bombs. Oh, yeah. come on, man. But, yeah, that, that's, what, <laughs> you know, that, that's what I love so much about this film is that it's like there is so many levels, but it goes ab above and beyond like 
what happens when you become exactly that's what i'm saying like so possessed and <laughs> one with another person and then when you try to pull that them apart like you know and when when it does fall apart you don't want to let it fall apart you don't want to admit that it's fallen apart and you know it's that hanging on and and not <laughs> and i think yeah it's we we did forget about Bob until two hours in. You're right. You're right about that. Yeah, it was just, yeah, he's still sitting so in the much to discuss. Being a shit. No one cares. He's a yeah. little. He doesn't even look like either of them either. He's this little blonde kid. A little cuckoo. Like, where By did the he way, uh, Andy, with your with your uh, getting hungry during this movie, were, were you hungry when you saw him covered in jam? You're like, I should make myself a sandwich. Yeah, delicious. And then you finally yeah, go. Bob has the right sandwich. idea there. And then yeah, you're like, you're like oh say, man, dude. I can I go for a peanut butter and jelly, and then all of a sudden, you're just like, <laughs> never mind. Like, <laughs> Chapter Black has mentioned, you know, about the are we better parents? But I will say, like, one of the a lot of the commentaries and a lot of the reviews and write-ups on this film actually do talk about the fact that throughout this film even though we don't talk about bob a lot or the bob's in it a lot both of them do strive and do become better parents throughout the film that is from, true that from the beginning notably like, so notably at the beginning, like mm -hmm. they do start to try to become better parents which is something that happens quite often when people separate you know that they tend to focus on the like try to focus on the child but well, yeah, in the beginning, Mark, though, to Mark be fair, fuck it, I don't give a shit. I don't want anything to do with it. In the in the beginning, they forget they have a kid. Like he's like, yeah. how, how long have I been gone? And they're like, oh, you've been in this. Yeah, and there's like, a kid here. Right, right, yeah. So like yeah. any any parenting, just acknowledge it's going to be a step up from where you're at. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so speaking of reviews, a lot of people have uh, reviews and, and have opinions. Of course, the, the best place to do that is a social media site for film lovers called Letterboxd. Letterboxd people that uh, everyone gets to talk at with and to each other about the movies they love, the movies they didn't love, the movies they're weirdly thirsty for. Uh, the movies that they're weirdly concerned about why the kid is named Bob. Who knows? Uh, it, it, it's your crossword puzzle. Everybody gets to have their say. Not just Siskels and Eberts of the world. And all this is best expressed succinctly. Succinctly. Uh, and uh, usually in a jovial manner uh, for the purposes of this bit. Which is, of course, the letterbox one-liners for possession. Let's roll them. Well, what can you do? Am I right? One second you're in love and have a happy family, the next some eldritch miscarriage is fucking your wife. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me once. <laughs> <laughs> the subway scene is me after Taco Bell. <laughs> Andy, I want to find out who your version of Heinrich is, though. It's just like it's just like Ben Burgess with an open shirt. Just like, uh... How can that person say that the subway scene is like me after Taco Bell and then give a review of two and a half stars? Two and a half, Kev, yeah, that's Kev, shameful. go fuck yourself, mate. <laughs> oh, only watch, you watch this film on August 31st. Go watch it again. There you go. Yeah, you have to watch Kev. Come I, now. I, I do, I do like the the like Taco Bell fucking like just imagining instead of fucking. I love, milk and I egg, love the quote, but the rating, come on. I'm man. just imagining like instead of milk and eggs, it's just like a bunch of tacos and like a uh, fucking uh, Baja Blast or whatever, uh, and it just ugh. gets all over. The place. Yeah, I saw, I saw the Baja Blast in the subway floor. <laughs> Thank you. Whole bunch of beans. Ugh. My dad did not appreciate me watching this in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Mark-ass dad, to be honest. <laughs> By the way, the tag, uh, uh, I like it. It's 2022, 1980s, alone, home theater, holy shit, is the, one of the tags. <laughs> Very good. Good tag work there. 
This is exactly what my crazy uncle thinks the COVID vaccine does to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I wonder wonder if the... uh... I, I could just imagine the guy I saw in the uh, Benghazi t-shirt yesterday. He probably thinks the same thing. Oh, my God. Ugh. Jesus. Well, Christ. we made it two hours without mentioning Benghazi. That's a record for us. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a record for Congress, too. Moving on. <laughs> I actually thought you said Fugazi. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's... Come on now. Yeah, no, I saw a dude wearing a Benghazi 2012 shirt. And I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? I have no yeah. idea how to describe this movie. And I'm not entirely sure I know what happened. And I loved every minute of it. <laughs> facts that that's yeah. a, that's that's real that's no it's crazy like i feel like there's a first time like you watch this movie for the first time and then you're like all right maybe i'll delve into this a little bit and then you get into like some of the really deep analysis of it and then you have watched it again and you're like i still don't know what happened but it feels like it feels like this movie like boosted my <laughs> iq by a couple points <laughs> right i feel smarter after having watched having analyzed it yeah <laughs> Oh, she's looking up at Jesus. All right. It's like brain games, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's face it. Uh, Jesus on the crucifix was Peacock and Jesus. <laughs> Perfect Valentine's Day movie. <laughs> and- I, I want to see the, like, imagine this is like a first date movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I told you about how I do know. <laughs> I, I, I think you go in, you go in blind. Like, you're like, oh, like, I like hard Oh, yeah. Well, I told you I I, I uh, saw the Cronenberg crash on a date, right? <laughs> that went fine, by the way. Which, but that was definitely like there were moments of like, oh my god, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was into it though, so there you go. There's always and then later, that y'all one. Hey, you're trying to go. You're trying to go crash the car after this. <laughs> we took Bart, so. <laughs> that speaking of which, that's how I feel when taking public transit too. <laughs> I, I kind of i imagine just that scene though as like uh when bo is afraid like when they're when he's watching like the news station or whatever they're oh, like sure. they're the most yeah. terrifying like part like i imagine that like that's what's on the news for what the subway is like they're like news from the subway <laughs> it's the birthday boy stab man of uh transit reporting yeah <laughs> speaking of bo is afraid i was uh i was like kind of like tipsy at the bar last night after i got back from oppenheimer like hanging out with friends, and I had somebody like that I'm friends with come up to me and say, "Hey, can you explain to me what Bo is afraid was about?" Oh I God. saw it, and, I, and so like I was like, <laughs> I was like kind of like kind of drunk, gave like the explanation about like it being like a inverse uh, hero's journey or whatever. Yeah, and he's like, "Wow, that makes a lot of sense," and I was like, "Good," because I don't know if it did. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I somebody, to, no, oh, I won't segue. I won't segue. I'm gonna be a good girl. All right. Somebody give this bitch a Xanax. <laughs> Yo, this, this movie, if, if she just had like a Xanax script, this movie would have so much more of a mellow plot. Short film, five minute long. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, just man. She would say, have a, to take quite a big bottle of that shit. Yeah. Sister <laughs> Faith and Sister. Yeah, one's not going to do it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> sister Faith and Sister. I, I don't know. What, what, what was I going with? I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it's all good. Sister it's all... Xanax goes down the throat. By the way, I, I had a I had a movie I had an Uncle Alligator movie pitch. Yeah. Uh it's it's um Lay it on me, kid. <laughs> All right. So it's it's a tweaker. It's this this is my Oppenheimer re, like remake, right? Like this is my Oppenheimer sequel or whatever. Uh new new franchise or something. He's a tweaker scientist, right? And he's trying to build an atomic benzo, like a, you know, <laughs> a, a giant fucking Xanax uh to, to drop on Mexico to end the war on drugs. 
That's that's his uh, that's his goal, and I call it Pill Poppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. Five a.m. I like it. We can tie it in with uh, with our sponsors. We'll we'll uh, be able to get funding, no problem. Greenland. <laughs> Is that what happened to Jordan Peterson? Yeah. <laughs> the Kaka Cthulhu. <laughs> Let that one marinate. You crazy guy. So many levels. Favorite. So many levels. Uh, those are the those are the letterbox one liners for possession. Please, please, please follow oh tentacle rocky divorce demon over there movie night extra force miller he's your host he's uh logging all the stuff we cover on the show and uh, other things as well all over that biz um i am Kona neutron for the first time you look vulgar to me but not if you follow me on letterbox where i'm doing all of the uh, high profile uh, highbrow uh, midbrow uh some populist fare as well and follow me along for the criterion challenge nearly done and uh, we can uh, we can explore the world of avant-garde cinema together if you dare if you dare jay andrew is this hentai world does he still wear pink socks no clue but he is on where he's wearing anything he wants as he watches all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to or so that you can it is not my place to judge such things but if he's doing it either way whether uh you are following him or not but please please follow him anyway explain to him why it is not hentai uh thank you in advance uh and he is also doing criterion challenge as well i think he's a little less further along than me yeah <laughs> almost but, halfway through yeah but that that's I kind of I kind of picked up the pace considerably because I realized I was going to be on tour for a large part of October. So, uh, Renee Ruin is on Letterboxd. You should follow her. She's on our, our master uh, show page as well. She doesn't log stuff that often, but uh, she's uh, very busy. I did some um, logging yes last night. Did you really? Okay, I well yeah. okay. I stand corrected. A little update, you know. We regret the error. So she's not only the maker of her own evil, she's the maker of her own content as she uh, logs stuff on Letterboxd and beyond with the Night Shift and, of course, the many things. But, of course, this is all uh, J. Andrew Pink Socks, I call him. That's my nickname for him. Worlds uh, Bailiwick as he takes us away with the plugs. J. Andrew World, take it away. Wait, right right before that, I want I want to just prove right now that I did uh, update your plug in the beginning of this. Oh, this is... <laughs> Conan Neutron, host of Bretonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends is a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp, and it's Bandcamp Friday. Pause the stream and get Adult Prom now. There you go. Well, thank you. I that was very thoughtful. I want to if I can. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Absolutely. So yeah. I think Andy's—we got you. Got to sit through this nonsense first. Though. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been Andy, a while. He does this flawlessly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Flawless. This will be the time. Okay. All right. I'm ready. So you're watching us on YouTube. So please do those YouTube things: like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell, and of course, watch the video to the end. That allows you to see a—you know—to hear a great Conan Neutron vid, uh, song. You get to see a great video edited by Forrest, and uh, that actually helps us find. Um, other movie fans on YouTube uh, that helps us in the algorithm. So does all the other things too. So, so, you know, do a combination of all, all of that list, you know, like comment, subscribe, hit the bell and watch the video to the end. Um, if you're over on Twitch, do um, please throw us a sub. Uh, if you happen to have an Amazon prime uh, account, you can give us a sub for free. doesn't cost you anything, but actually really does help us uh, with the expenses around here because doing this ain't free. Um, uh, yeah, there are expenses. Freedom isn't free, and neither is this show. 
Exactly. Exactly. Also, all of us are broke. Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> Movie broke extravaganza. <laughs> that, exactly. But uh, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Blue Sky. Um, so, so you can follow us over there uh, on any of those uh, and maybe more if we actually use them. I know we have the accounts. We just don't really use them, which is fair. <laughs> I can't even keep up anymore. I, I did post yeah. the threads tonight. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've got a threads account. Let's let's post to that. <laughs> I posted That's a spoutable. Threads. I don't even know what that is. That sounds That's dirty. okay. Yeah, uh, I spouted <laughs> off there. That, that's that's what they call it. Okay, um, that's that posted, fucking sucks. I posted okay. one thread and it was calling Crystalia a pedophile. That's the okay. only time I've ever posted on it. <laughs> All right, but but this uh, is how this is how he felt afterwards after he did that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, like all the most problematic celebrities were just popping up on threads really fast. They're like, "Hey, we're here," and it's like, "Go, go the go away, go away, problematic celebrities." <laughs> What's next, Andy? You can also help us out by uh, joining our Patreon. Uh, the nice thing about our Patreon is you can go back and you can watch our surprise birthday party with Forrest last week. Um, That's right. Oh, yeah. Sure Landed we're that. doing yeah. an after party tonight. Are we? We never talked about it. No, I'm, 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 feeling, I'm feeling sleepy. I'm sleepy. Yeah, because we also got one of these to do on Sunday. <laughs> this yeah. is my after party right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get some. <laughs> You're playing with your balls? Yes, that, that is the implication. Thank you. <laughs> Tonight, I am getting off stream and I am playing with my balls. All, all three of them. <laughs> I go. There are there are ten, there are tentacles that I have to get to. Exactly. Yeah, like an urgent appointment. I mean, That's right. It's <laughs> a bear from annihilation. It's a bear from annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, here's my reaction to all of these comments. How dare you? Sir? Yeah. <laughs> I actually had it. <laughs> oh wow! Wow! Oh, I'm gonna be using that one. That's great. Yeah. I really, I wish I could have used the one that just said screaming, and it was that because. <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel when every time we do this bit, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it really, it really is. It really is like twenty five dollars worth of groceries with uh, with inflation though. <laughs> <laughs> it was the '80s, though, so it was probably a lot less. Yeah, I'm, probably watching, like I'm watching in, in you know, in, in, I'm watching in, in 2023. Yeah, so, you just threw a wooden nickel and they would hand you groceries. <laughs> yes, uh, but uh, Conan, you you had yes. a great show last night with um, some gorillas. Wait, what was it? Nope, <laughs> I definitely did not have a show with some gorillas. With the gorillas. <laughs> The, uh... Yeah, with the gorillas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a big <laughs> oh, show. Oh, wait, wait. What was it? Sleepy All right. It's Slime. Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Yes. Uh, for those that, if you know, you know, uh, legendary avant-garde, um, dark metal, um, noise rock, like, funk band, like, uh, Dearly Missed and Back. And, yeah, huge live reception uh, to that show. Uh, biggest live show in a long time. And podcast, of course, up uh, Monday because it's still patron only, one dollar a month uh, until then. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great show. And if you're remotely interested, if you if you're interested in gorillas, find another show. But if you're interested in Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, then yeah, you, you can consume that one. Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum is what I would call the fucking 2024 debate between Biden and Trump when they're uh, when they're going head to head. Yeah, too real, too real. Yeah. 
And uh, who, who you got coming up next week? Uh, God, I've done so many recently. Oh, uh, Robert Cassis of uh, of um, One Thousand One Album Complaints, which is a great show that I was on. I uh, was also in Banco Repeat after me. Uh, the Chop. He's also in a band called The Beverly Crushers, which is a Star Trek themed rock band. And they put out two records, and they're great. Uh, so really excited to talk to him. He's a hell of a guy. He's actually been on the show before, but it was like literally the seventh episode or something. It was like like a million years ago. So I forgot about that until recently. Are you guys excited for our uh, summer vacation, which is just the nine days that <laughs> right, the, 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 the week and change that we're not doing a stream? Sure. So. <laughs> I'll be like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be, of course, like this. <laughs> PersonaConversal.com uh, for the archives and the yeah, Patreon.com slash PersonaConversal, $1 a month for advanced access, which if you want to see that Sleepy Time Grill Museum, uh, there were a few of our, our regulars that were actually in the, uh, hanging out for the show last night, so I always appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, is that fine, right? One of the members of the uh, band, too, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, Carla was was in. I don't know why she wasn't on the show. I was like, is it two people in three? Like, what's the difference? Like, oh, yeah, go back yeah. yeah, she was dropping all kinds of bond mods in there. It was awesome. Yeah, no, she she she. It was great. Uh, it was it was actually great to to, to be part of that because because I was uh, there. You were. Yes, I was. I agree. <clears throat> and uh, uh, of course, uh, you know, we said it before. We'll say it again. Pause right now if you haven't done it yet. Go to Bandcamp because it's Bandcamp Friday. Buy uh, this uh, adult prom uh, yes. and, and get some really dope music. I mean, that is a great album, or at least the two tracks I've heard of it because I did not have a chance today to <laughs> listen to the rest of it. You did the art for Cry Bullies, you know that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, there, yeah, there's three tracks. Yeah, I you know, three of them. All right. Yeah. That's three. Okay. The rest of okay. them will be sus. I, yeah. It's, but a, like, uh, it's a split LMNOP with. Uh... Uh, but but yeah, I will say the three tracks good. I've heard of were all great. So like you know the, the rest of it's bound to be just as good. We got some premieres. Uh, the rest of them come because that's what we do. It's like oh it's premiering on you know blah, blah, dot com. Great. <laughs> I, if it was up to me, I'd be like, here's everything, go. But it's not up to me. So we're gonna just prolong the magic, I guess. That but like you can fun. buy it now. You can buy it, so it's oh, not. Yeah. Trust me. Today is the best day to do it because this way Bandcamp doesn't get any of the money, and Coning gets all of the money. That's right, and I need it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> buy my shit. <laughs> please, 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 and thank you. <laughs> but yeah, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Um, oh, and, and we got a tour in October. If you're if you're the west coast of the U.S., you're stoked. Otherwise, you're not. But uh, yeah, that, that's coming up. Well, we'll get to, uh, get to the rest of the country eventually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just maybe not with long. We, we were in New York. I maybe with like they actually tour way more than we do. That's we're the ones holding that train back. <laughs> they tour uh. like Black Flag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except for less uh, less traumatic. I think they're doing a show like right now with uh, 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 Chris, who was on a few weeks ago. Uh, with Maple Stave, um, yeah. Oh yeah, Stave. I think they're playing oh, Maple. Yeah. yeah, so they're playing with Thelma and the Sleaze on this run. They just did a run of Screaming Females, and then it's a uh, us. They're, they're then they're meeting up with us after that. Uh, but Lung Lung's yeah. fantastic. They're amazing. Yeah, I, I was like, I was really stoked on those uh, strings whenever I heard that track off uh, off the. Uh... They really, their their uh, records are amazing as a live act. It's amazing that two people can make that much of a ruckus, uh, and I mean that as a compliment. Like Kate's a force to be reckoned with. So is Daisy. Yeah, they're great. Love well, that love sounds love. great. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Christina's not here, but I will say, if you if you miss her, go go find. She's her on Patreon. the logo. 
<laughs> she sure is. She celebrated being on the logo by not being on the show. <laughs> but yeah, well, she's she, she's in our our our, our corner and our hearts. Um, she is in she our corner, literally and figuratively. Create me as she a little can... bump. Yeah, a bumper sticker. Oh, we can do better than that. <laughs> bumper sticker on the car, like is a, yeah. <laughs> like a, it has a night shift, uh, night shift. Oh, that's it. That'd be a trip. Like we have different logos for like every iteration of this. Show. Oh my god, that's exhausting. <laughs> I'm exhausted just saying it aloud. I can't imagine drawing it. But I was gonna say, by the way, Christina's uh, saving up her like the uh, horny thirst energy for talking about Killian Murphy. She's yeah. like, oh, she's like, I can't, I can't I'm talk sad. about this tentacle fucking movie. I, I have a, because <laughs> you would get nothing out of me, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you're missing her, go to her Patreon, uh, throw her a little bit of money there. Uh, after, you know, you buy Conan's album and support us. Um, you know, that's the third thing you got to do uh, with your money. Strange how they all involve money. <laughs> yeah, funny that. But uh, Renee's plugs do not necessarily in, uh, involve money, although they, they could. Should. They should. They should. Just they should absolutely should. Um, but but there you there's can go uh, to my Patreon and and give me money there if you want to. And excellent. I have a donate page if you want to give me money there too. All in my link tree. Um, but yeah, my. Do you want me to go now, Andrew? Yeah, go for it. All right. No, so we don't I, wait. We just do it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while, guys. It's been a it while. It has been a while. Yeah, um, it's great to have you back. So um, September 23rd uh, in the US, um, Night Shift will be doing um, Infinity Pool. So with Jenna Hayes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, October yeah, my favorite 6th. Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> October, <laughs> October 6th. Um uh us um i'll be on the alien murder sex podcast which is going to be a really interesting one so um that's true crime paranormal it's got everything then, in the title and then we, say, yeah it sound boring crime, paranormal mm -hmm. and then we review a porn at the end of the episode so um i'm being asked to be a guest on there so that'll be a fun one um and then, of course, I'll be back in October with you guys. I don't know if we're announcing that title, but I will be back. Um, and then also um, in October, November, um, I will have a um, piece coming out in a huge um, zine periodical called Girls to the Front. Um, so oh, cool. that will be on music and mental health. So um that will be coming out then. But you can check out the um, first issue if you go to just www.girlstothefrontzine.com and you can purchase the first one. It's a nice, big, thick thick one. Um, so, yeah, and I'll be in the second issue of that um, with writing and also with some art. So looking forward to that one. Um, I yeah. think we're uh, – so Hereditary is going to be the October – uh, episode yes. that Renee is going to be on, which is going to be the second to last uh, October episode, and I think we were maybe going to have you on from Mulholland Drive. We talked about right, mm -hmm. like is that which is actually uh, later this month because it's now September. Holy crap! So that'll be later this month. Um, yeah, with uh, Ravana, Ravana, and uh, Renee on from Mulholland Drive. Second yeah, David Lynch film be, this show's ever done. Really, yeah, really <laughs> which really is fucking well, nuts. No, we did Dune. But David Lynch is kind of okay. You know what? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> technically speaking, yes. David Lynch has disowned it, so I did think about that, but I chose to include the director's okay. wishes. David Lynch is Dune. Dune, your mom. Exactly. <laughs> 
I forgot one other thing. I'm, I was on uh, Hyphenate with Randy Randall, uh, former guest of this show, uh, and the third episode. So that's out now on the Ruinous Media Network. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, there's a couple things called Hyphenate. So this is the one with Randy Randall. Pretty easy to find. And it's that's it's a I totally forgot what we talked about because we did it so long ago. But it's it's pretty entertaining. I think singer songwriter podcaster exactly triple threat. <laughs> <laughs> Hereditary is my third favorite horror after Spirit and Possession. Those are good. Mm, yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's a good a, list. That's a good Her- list. Hereditary yeah, is like, the, I, I think Hereditary is the only movie like uh, within the last few years that I've seen, like that came out within the last few years. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like put actual like uh, terror in me for yeah, like, the first yeah. time I watched it. Like it's it's hard to, it's hard, I don't really like get that kind of emotion from movies a lot of times because I'm like, this is on a screen. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's not... Like I, not not you're enjoying it, but you're kind of analyzing it at the same time or something. Yeah, too. or yeah, or yeah. like or like I'm like you know what like I like my brain is like look there's like a screen between you and what's happening like it's yeah. not like I don't know I'm just not someone that like necessarily gets scared from horror movies. Hereditary was a different fucking story. <laughs> well, yeah, that's because if you watch Hereditary, they crawl out of the screen just like the ring. <laughs> Genuinely freaky movie, and I'm sorry, peace and love, yeah. peace and love. He hasn't, say, he hasn't topped it yet, in my opinion. No, but in, yeah, I don't think. Um, I, I mean, I don't say, think Midsummer topped it. Yeah. Well, Midsummer, I like Midsummer. I like Bo's I'm going to bring this around in a circle. Midsummer, the um, so he, the director actually drew inspiration from Possession for Midsummer. Ah, hmm. uh, doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't okay. surprise me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, sure. it, like literally, when you think about it, it's the the story of a breakup, right? Like it's uh, put into like a. Uh, you know, a, a full like, writ large, full, yeah. full car. Uh, and there's no Bob. And and apparently, uh, colonialism, according to Amy Bell. I'll never fucking forgive her. I, I was, for I that. was <laughs> yelling in the van while that was going on. I was like, I was like, I cannot believe that this is happening. I cannot believe I cannot react to this. <laughs> I, I listened into the show. I couldn't be on that episode, Renee, because I was uh, mm-hmm. on tour, right? And like I was, yeah. I was like, "Oh, I'm just driving." I'm, I it? can throw. I so I threw it. I threw on the show live, and it it was agitating for me. We got we got to do a, an actual uh, Midsummer episode. I think you can call a mulligan on that one, and actually, yeah, yeah I, will, I think we're doing a Midsummer episode on Night Shift because it's oh, a favorite cool. of it's a favorite of Jenna. Hey. I am not going to redraw that artwork because I spent so much time on all those flowers. Uh, it came out beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. But, um, you just use the artwork again if we do it again. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I might draw more to it, you know, since I'll have time. More flowers. Or a bear. I did prefer, um, have her, uh, I preferred hereditary. But... Is that, do you think Flora wait, wait. is. Did uh... you say bear? Like that? <laughs> by, by the time she's in uh, Oppenheimer, which we're covering on Sunday, she's sick of flowers and she just keeps throwing them in the trash every time he gives she's her flowers. <laughs> she's like, I don't want any more fucking flowers, dude. I already like, it just reminds me of Sweden and my boyfriend and that, you know, I don't <laughs> let get set on fire. Connected people. <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, right. j- just to bring it back to plugs for one last thing. Oh my God! Uh, are we still next- the plugs? Okay. Yeah, just just one last thing. <laughs> okay. Tuesday, we're not having an episode because it is my twentieth wedding it's your anniversary. anniversary. That's right. Happy anniversary. 20th. That's why. Correct. Yo, so we are Oppenheimer's the next episode, but we're doing it on a Sunday. Uncharacteristic. I wish yeah. you a, pos- a possession free. <laughs> your life marriage. <laughs> I was gonna say Eddie puts up his uh, his links to send him money. Send him money so he can, uh, you know, afford to do something nice for his wife because. You know, he, he he runs around. He does a lot of this stuff for free. 
A lot of yeah. you know, you might not know that about Andy. He's he's very he's very giving. Of course, that giving. that also and his means that, is amazing, amazing, and she really likes that yummy red licorice. He, that, that also uh, no, means the black that licorice. The black, he, uh, the black. Yeah, that's right. He holds the right to do things like draw samurais on posters where they don't, you know, they all of a sudden uh, for no reason because he want to draw a samurai. But I think I think that it all evens out in the end. <laughs> it's, and, yeah. and he gets paid an artistic license. Yeah, you need you need. He to actually get, did. Well, no, you know what? Let's just, final thoughts, right? What we're we doing? Let's go. <laughs> Come on. Let's go while I'm young. Too late. We've, right, we've, we've talked final. this movie into the, you know, in, into the into the ether, I think. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure you got some final thoughts. Look, I'm not going to take up too much time on this. Like, there's, it's, it's a five out of five film for me. It's, like I said, it's a visceral experience. This is... This is true filmmaking and true acting. I this is yeah nothing compares to this experience, um, and I think nothing you know. There's very few films that are out now that could even compare um, to the same experience. So this film will always remain one of the most craziest fucked up <laughs> um, pieces of art that I've ever seen, and. Um, and it holds up really well regardless of time. So um, that's that's all I'll say. If you, you haven't seen it, you must see it. And if you've seen it and you didn't get it, watch it again. Yeah, don't and worry. Again. We didn't get. We didn't spoil it for you. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way it's to spoil, to this, spoil this film. For, yeah. yeah. Whatever you think it's going to be, it's going to be so much crazier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More than that. But uh, Andy? Yeah, as I said, uh, you know, we said before, you know, this movie starts off at 11. I mean, it starts off, <laughs> you are completely uncomfortable in that first kind of fight scene uh, where, where they start arguing outside. And uh, it just slowly just outside. How about that? turns that volume <laughs> up uh, because there there is this air of paranoia. Uh, I mean, they're constantly like, you know, zooming in on uh, the people, you know, the people across the border spying on them. Uh, yeah. Like watching the whole thing, which just like 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 which we barely even touched on, but that really does like create this this weird air of paranoia, and this this is like two hours of just paranoia and just visceral emotion uh, dealing with uh, you know really you know which you know I've been through bad breakups I've I, I've been there before I'm not half you know proud of some of the stuff I've done just like some of these people are but you know hey there there you have it it's it's a great uh, exorcism of all that negative energy that that uh, is gets built up inside of you. And disclaimer: Don't watch this film if you've just come out of a divorce. Strongly, do not recommend. You will have a very made, traumatic uh, time. Yeah. Elon Musk decided to buy Twitter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Conan. I got to agree with Renee. It's a five out of five for me. Um, possession, as mentioned, is a, as in the state of having or owning something, not demonic necessarily. And uh, Anna is so enamored with love, she brings forth an allegorical tentacle creature. Mark's so obsessed with the idea of Anna that he projects Helen as looking like her, both green eyes, color of jealousy, all this in the divided city of Berlin. Everything's so close yet so far. Very key to this. It doesn't hurt, does it? The, the physical pain that doesn't come anywhere near the emotional pain in the name of love. We are indeed the authors of our own misery. That includes uh, the amazing subway scene and the subway miscarriage of hope, which, what a scene. 
Mm-hmm. I think this is perhaps the most profound, surreal, artistically vivid, and intense explanation ever committed to screen of uh, loveless marriage and divorce. Longing for meaning and this some idea of each other doesn't match reality. It's all just delivered through the lens of insane cinema, cinema that is insane. Uh, and I couldn't be happier to have talked about it. I think it's a great discussion. All right. Um, so we'll be back on Sunday for Pill Poppenheimer. Thank you.